0: Swell
1: presents
0: Yes, yeah, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and barnies. welcome to an Ain't That Swell special three part interview of the great Kobe Aberdon. Uh Myself and Vaughn have known Kobe for many years, Vaughn much longer than myself. But uh, yeah, growing up in the eastern suburbs, I was basically in the generation below him, but I lived through many of the same events we're going to talk about. And I'm definitely a product of the same culture, which we discuss at length in this series. It's a culture that nearly killed us both, and full credit to Kobe for having the strength and honesty to do what he's done, and uh, you know just to turn his life around. It's it's actually all time. Like what you're getting hear now from Kobe is uh, just a remarkable tale of survival, grit, determination. And what happens when you choose light and love over darkness, consumption, and uh, being a a victim of trauma? Um, So, yeah, incredible, incredible chat. I mean, it's pretty hard to understate the influence of Kobe and uh, the rest of the heavy-hitting sportsmen from his area on Aussie culture, uh, and in particular – Aussie culture or youth culture in the eastern suburbs where I grew up. Uh, I mean, to to see surfers, footballers, and fighters from pretty povo backgrounds fully ripping in and having a crack on the national and global stage, put a massive rocket up. Everyone in the area, uh, you know, particularly myself, being from a, a pretty poor and uh, at times dysfunctional and traumatic single parent home. Uh, yes, it's something about. What they were doing really resonated with me and and thousands of other kids in the area. But as we mentioned, uh, yeah, look, there's a dark side to that culture and all the success and visibility that came with the Bra Boys blowing up in the way they did. A quick note before we get into it: the audio is a little bit off, studio quality as you'd expect, being you know on the road with all the equipment and adjacent to a main road in Bali and all the rest of it. But uh, it's fully sweet, and you'll get used to it. Uh, We also took a few breaks, which have been noted during the episode. You know, just for uh, the batteries ran dead, and uh, you know, Kobe uh, had to attend to his family, and uh, we had a break for dinner, and etc. etc. But uh, that's noted, and yeah, that's it. Enjoy this mental sit down with one of surfing's all-time classic characters, a true core lord, if ever there was one. All right, got one of. The one, one of the guests on the program right now who are probably the guests I've been most excited to have on um, for a few reasons, you know, growing up in the eastern suburbs uh, as a kid from a, a pretty broken and battered and, and broke single parent home, you know, seeing this guy succeed was – it was a big deal for kids like me and there was a lot of kids like me in the area and, um, yeah, I guess it it really gave gave us something to aim for. But there's a bit of a caveat to that because the thing that maybe I was aiming for as a kid and I think the culture um, where we're from is uh, I mean, the things I was taught – Growing up, I've had to unlearn every fucking one of them.
1: <laughs> and I was probably taught that, some of those things just, by there's, you. There's no true word ever been taught, or ever been said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Kobe, mate, welcome to Ain't That Swell. It's an absolute honour to have you here, man. Um, you're a big figure in the same part of the world that I'm from, and and uh, you know we're here today on Father's Day, and I look around and I see. Possibly the happiest man on this island. I see a guy with a, a beautiful wife, a beautiful child, a beautiful house, and I think to myself, mate, how did you do it? You, you broke the cycle of trauma. You, you, you're a f- happy family man despite not having a dad yourself. And, um, you know, despite all your achievements, I think for me personally, uh, you know, I, I rate doing what
1: you're doing right now as, as number one? Yeah, I mean, for starters, thanks for having us on, brother. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, boys, just so everyone knows, I've had uh, four beers. It's a Sunday Arvo. It's Father's Day. Um, I just went down to the beach with me boy, told Jed I will I'll, uh, call him in the afternoon and we've been mates for a while, and I and I thought I could. We're pretty comfy to have a couple of beers and have a chat. But just know that's where we're at. And I think it's uh, it's the best time to chat. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Let's do this stuff. But back to that question: How did you break the cycle, man? Like, w- w- what are the tools
0: um, that have led you to this point? Where you, I just can't believe it. You know, like p- people like us. Yeah, um, I know exactly where fr- I'm at. From broken and, and battered homes. Yeah. We're generally dysfunctional. We generally fill up prisons um, and fill up morgues. Um, but here you are having your life's done a complete 180. And, um, mate, you're an old school family man now. And I, I, I
1: respect the shit out of that. How, how did you fucking pull it off? Yeah, like, we get a choice. You know, we really get a choice. And... Uh, I aim high and I could I could take his on like you know everything I've ever been through in life led me to this point, you know, and the point that's coming next. You know, so like I could I really loved my childhood. I really loved my friends and I really loved my area and I really loved the violence and I really loved being around all these masculine men and like these parties and in the city. And when I say I love violence, I wasn't out there hurting anyone, you know. I definitely had a lot of fights, you know. But I'm saying, like, but I went through all that stuff to get to this point, you know. Like, all the dramas with Jai, with the murder case, the riots, having people calling me and, you know, shooting guns in the phone. And, and the whole Australian media, like, blaming shit on you and, like, really areas of um, personal stuff. And then into the bra boys to telling my story to like being proud of my story. And just understanding that like life's hard, man, like life's really fucking hard, bro. Like, like every, every day's a battle and, and you've got to find that like sort of one thing that, uh, can change it. I knew Sydney was unhealthy for me, mm. you know, I, I destroyed myself there. I destroyed friends and like, you know, I went through such dark times in the end there that it's just... You've got to understand what's good and bad, bro. I don't want to be down the beach in the pub on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, fucking getting on it with the boys or, like, in in any beach in Australia. Mm. That's just... Wherever I go, I'm friends with everyone. Mm. You know, I don't want to do that stuff. And I understood to myself that I need to make a change. And then around that time, I met my woman. And my woman changed my whole life. You know, she understood, I could see that she wanted good for me. And then the steps beyond that, because we had a child quite early, you know, we had a, we met each other. I chased her for six months, mate. Wow. Six months I chased her. She got to a point where she turned up to a party, bro, (laughs) with a boyfriend. And I was asking her out on a date. And I was just like, (laughs) what? the fuck is this wow. but it led me to the point of loving her too you know so it's like all these little things they all add up and they all add up but life is hard and you just got to go understand that the hardest points lead to great great outcomes,
0: mate it's one of the recurring themes and, and and sayings on this show that what lies on the other side of adversity is a bounty of beauty and fucking glory that you can never imagine but it's it's on the other side of adversity. You got to get through it, but you got to know that what's on the other side of that is beyond your wildest dreams. And I guess you know you were put in situations. You were a product of your environment, and um, you know one thing I, kn- I knew about you being from the area um, and, and in our dealings was that you had, you meant well. You're doing your best, but you were subject to some faulty programming and some dodgy wiring, uh, and. As, as am I, as was I, and, um, you know, it's it's been a long road back and I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, I, I love what you said about, you know, loving the violence and, and loving the, the, the hardship of growing up in an area like that because that's what gives you the grit, but you got to survive it, man, and it's fucking hard to survive and it's hard to contain that trauma and not let it leak out onto your loved ones and um you know seeing what you're doing here it, it's very obvious to me that y- you have contained it and mate they say that stopping the cycle of trauma stops it for seven generations like that's how fucking hard it is to do um you know you're changing your genetic code your child's genetic code your child's child's genetic code by dealing with it and mate you, you've taken it
1: on like you fucking but you, took know what? On. you know what like, i'm fully conscious of it bro i fully understand it and i like like, I don't want the pain that I went through as a kid to go through into my kid, you know, and some days I just want to, like, s- like slap him. Like, some days, you know, like, just mm. you try your hardest and you take him surfing, and, you know, you, you 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 just really try. You're going karate, you're going here. I'm trying to be a good dad. Mm. And they don't listen. And that is your old self, you know what I mean? It's It, it is the person. But you've just got to understand that, you know, we're all just out here living and breathing. You know, we're all out here just trying to do our per- best. And, um, yeah, you know I, mean? I hope. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Of course you're going to, everyone gets angry. Like the Dalai Lama, mother Teresa, these people fucking cracked it for sure. Oh, I
1: know. Yeah. So like, but we get to choose our, our choice, you know, and we get to really, we really get to make a choice. So to get to this point in my life, it was a whole heap of hard work. And, the, the the hardest work I put in was the Wim Hof breathing and the Wim Hof breathing just I knew from this from from the first session you do of that you st- if you've been through the life that I've been through and that has that effect on you because you breathed for 15 minutes that is something
0: Trust. massive
1: I know feeling mm-hmm. I know all of them all of them very deeply and you know and something happens, bro, in that stuff, and, and it and it made me clear on uh, a lot clearer on my life, and and how beautiful my son was, and how amazing my wife was, and how, you know, she's it's Father's Day right now, and she's just making me spaghetti bolognese while my kids just had a surf, and, you know, like, bro, like whatever it is, all that stuff is, is it works in your life, and uh, so I went through like a lot of a lot of breathing and a lot of like saying sorry to people and and there's a lot more that I should say sorry to but like a lot more like forgiving myself and forgiving forgiving other people for taking off me and and my mom and you know a lot of things but you you're just dealing with life and, and they're doing they were doing their
0: best you know they were all products yeah. of their environments and their conditioning and you know it's some that I think that's key to forgiveness but Fuck, man. Like, yeah. It, it takes a, a, a very. To me, that's the epitome of of male toughness. You know, like what I thought male toughness was growing up was, you know, being able to hold your hands up, being able to fucking cut some kind in half on the football field, and being able to pack slabs in, and, yeah. and probably fuck hot chicks too. And like, but what, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. What I realized though is that actually, like, almost none of those things are really that that tough. What is tough is like. Um, taking care of your emotions, apologizing when you're out of line lying, and being a humble, um, accountable person. Like, that's tough, man. It's fucking easy to be the, 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 the piss head fucking street fighter with a skin full, like, you know, uh, like I was surrounded by people like that growing up and I, I admired it, but it was a sickness and it's not tough. And I see people still today... Very common, very common archetype in Australia, you know, getting on the bags, getting on the beers, getting on the whatever in the pub and, um, you know, if you don't do that, you're often written off as a pariah, as a as a weak cunt or a weirdo or a fucking yeah. this or that and, um, you know, I reject that completely, now, and, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I live, th- you know, I live through it, I live through the, the, the toughness, I, I tried to get to the top of the pile of, of yeah. being a hard cunt where I'm from and um it, on, where it was playing football or fighting in the streets and it was, it was just uh it's embarrassing man i look back and it's embarrassing i look i look at it now and it's embarrassing i don't respect it at all yeah um, but that's the culture that we were a, a product of i guess
1: yeah 100 percent. I, I mean yeah i'm i'm listening to your part of it you know that's that i agree and i totally agree going back let's go back way way back man so like
0: you're just telling me you know the, a lot of people, they know who you are, but they don't know the particulars of your story. Like, um, you know, y- your mother – tell us a bit about your mum.
1: And, yeah, and so, I mean, we're we'll talking about forgiveness before too, and I had a really beautiful conversation with my mum two days ago that should be heard, you know. she. We're going into this story right now, and, you know, we're going to like kind of uh, – it's not like I'm putting my mum down. I'm just telling the story of my mum. That's know? it, man. And so I love this woman and she tried the hardest I can. She, when I look back at I've got one kid now, and having one kid is so hard. She had four boys that were mental cases. <laughs> so, like, this chick, she probably took drugs because of us. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that's what she got a life, you know, at one stage. It would have been really hard, but she pulled it off. But I had this really nice conversation and she's just rang up and said, hey, Cobe, I just want you to know I'm so sorry. I'm really, really sorry. Wow. And it just takes, uh, like, it takes a, a lot to, to really mean it the way she said it and it was nice to hear and, you know, and some years I don't like her, some years I love her and that's just life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here I am now but I respect that woman and I love that woman this year, you know, and, I'm trying to do our best I can through that sort of support, you know. I think it's very important. But I wanted to say that before we went into what we're going into.
0: No, I'm glad you clarified that because, yeah, you know, obviously the details of of your life are heavily traumatic and they can reflect on people poorly or they may feel like it's reflected on them poorly when it's not. It's just the truth of your existence. It's, It's neither here nor there. You know, it's not a judgment on whoever's characters we're about to mention. Yeah, yeah, but, I um, totally agree. So, yeah. you know, you were just saying that, fuck, you're six years old and uh, you're living in a
1: garage uh, and your brothers are living in the garage or... I th- I, th- I, think that's my earliest memory. I remember... Um, I remember living in a garage and the ga- car was in it. I always remember that. I remember living in a garage and the car was in it. And I remember my brothers lived in the house and me and my mum and eventually uh, my mum's boyfriend who stuck around for about 12 years, Dakota's dad, he was there. I'm pretty sure it was him. I remember we had a dog called Zach, and we lived at the beach on, uh, uh, at Maribra. But we're waiting on housing commission.
0: Yeah, so that's mate. I had a dog called Zach when I was a kid. Shut up. And I was Also <laughs> raised by a single mother, waiting on housing
1: commission. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a
0: border collie, and he died of a tick.
1: Yeah, Rest and you know, Chris and Zach. you know what the great thing is about this? It's not ironic, right? That we've come together on Father's Day, after you saying you've excelled so much in this aspect of my life, and we didn't mean it to come together on this day. So the point of I should, you know, I should be doing something with my wife, but I didn't really know. <laughs> we none of us realized because there's so many holidays these days. You never know. But you saying those really great words, and then all of a sudden we're here on Father's Day. It's kind of it's
0: so cosmic, I mean. man. Yeah. And, and just the fact that we're both mad Wim Hof aficionados, and we've both do you know what I mean? That's pretty fucking. It's cosmic as fuck. pretty bizarre. It's yeah. tripped out. But there are no coincidences. I don't think anymore. I think that we're on a, a path to somewhere, and our paths have converged at this point. And, um, that's because we've been through some difficult things, but we had good hearts and we tried hard and we're still trying every day. Um, we've doing the work, doing the, the Wim Hof so we can live with love and be accountable people. And it's led us to this point. Um, it's incredible, man.
1: But, and, but also on that aspect, I've still got it in me. Don't worry. There's days, mate. There's days. Mate, I just surfed fucking Zuluwa oh, with just, 15 Brazilians paddling oh. rings around me. I, I was, mate, I was close. I was close. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But hey, <laughs> but on, then that, I went on, a, on the aspect in. of life, guys, it's hard one. And it's like it. you're going to realise the up and down of life is what makes it interesting. You know, as, as life gets on and these real hard days, these real hard days make you the man you become. And these days now are the ones that interest you and spike those, like who you're going to become one day as a man. yeah,
0: okay? 100%. So, man, I'm, I'm fascinated to know, like,
1: uh, oh. getting back to just the, yeah, where we the, going again? the, the <laughs> early days, man. The early so, days. No, I was talking about the garage. The
0: garage. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, so what's going on there? So, so you have... You and uh, it's Sunny and Jai at this point.
1: It's me, Sunny and Jai, and my grandma, my grandpa, and uh, yeah, in the house in Mariborah. And you, what sort of
0: an imprint do you think it left on you? Like that kind of upbringing. How, how looking back on it now,
1: how did it shape you into the person that you were growing up? I could go really deep on this question because we lived in the garage, and there was a big—it was a bigger house, and I always thought about this to myself: why did we be in the garage? But anyway, you know, like my uh, grandma and grandpa. I'm finding out more about my grandpa now, but he was a—he was a boxer. He was like a, a boxer in a standover, like you know, going and picking up money, money collector. I only heard it a couple months ago on um, on on uh it's like what was it called uh, on facebook someone wrote it true. to me and then i thought he was lying but then he started sending me photos of my grandpa but anyway so i guess he was that but when i was a kid this bloke was just like a full on hard surfer true Do you know what i mean when yeah. i was a kid i didn't know any of that yeah to me until last month this guy was just this old surfer and he used to sell beach towels in the back of a truck and Classic. drive drive around the beaches selling towels and uh yeah, and somehow they ended up with a, a beautiful house on the beach. And, uh, you know, whatever mum done, she she's ended up in the garage. <laughs> True.
0: I don't want to get too tripped down, you, but uh, my granddad, shout out to John Smith, it's uh, Father's Day. Also uh, an iconic boxer back in the day from Forbes, nearly went to the Rome Olympics to get his head caved in by the great Cassius Clay. But, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. trippy. yeah. yeah.
1: But, uh, and so... When, so your, your granddad obviously introduced you to surfing so um, my brothers introduced me to surfing and my community introduced me to surfing you know it's like growing up in uh, in that mari and it's it's inbred in you to surf and play sport back then you know had to play football had to surf you know had, you had to be something pretty cool to you know you, you grew up on the ocean. There was a lot of cool people around it. I mean, there wasn't too many back then. There was, that's what you kind of had to do. It was like there wasn't many options. It's carpet layer, you know what I mean? And that's what everyone was. And um, builders and all these, you know. Yeah, and um,
0: I mean, oh, fuck, yeah. It's lapsing into to dicey territory, uh, but yeah, members in my family. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They uh, were also involved in the import export trade of that time, you know, being surfers uh, from the northern beaches. My old man and his family, not that he was involved in any stuff like that, but that was also a, a common route. We've seen the film Sea of Darkness and yeah. whatnot, but guys uh, from the eastern suburbs, from the whole eastern seaboard at that point in time, that was the only ticket out of working class fucking drudgery. Was, uh, yeah, if you wanted to surf for a living, you weren't really. Uh, getting paid to do it so you had to come up with money some other way yeah
1: and like there was um, that was going on a lot you know that's uh, yeah that was you know going on all around you and, and there wasn't many options and and you know we all I went I, you know I, I, I went down all the avenues I remember I was selling weed right in remember 25ers <laughs> to go to Bali right and this first Bali trip caused after this, selling this weed when I was a kid, I was about 14, I was selling weed to all the boys, only the boys, and uh, I got to Bali. And then I got recognized in Bali, and someone said to me, mate, you're really good, you're gonna be really good. And uh, sort of, you know, the way I surfed in Bali sent me on to Hawaii, and then I went to Hawaii, and then that's when I become something.
0: Wow. So tell us about that first trip to Bali. Uh, I mean, who were you, you hanging with? Who, was, who were the big names surfing at that
1: point? No, my, my, my big brother took me out to my big brother, Jai, and uh, Brooke Sylvester. And I think I, that wasn't my first trip. But the, the trip I remember is my big brother, Jai, and Brooke Sylvester. They took me out to... Was dogsy on it? Maybe Craig Gates was on it. Another local surfer, and we had maybe Andrew McGuire, um, shooter. Who else was it? There was a bunch of surfers, yeah, you know, uh, like local surfers from around our way. But we went on this trip. But this first trip I went out to Hanako's just with the first year. I went out to Dry Goes. Hey, I want to take you to Indo, right? And he takes me out. You know where this bloke takes me. <laughs> He gets me on my first trip to Indo no my first trip to Indo was Jack Kingsley to Sumbawa true yes when I was a good when I was a young kid I must have been wow. 14 15 we got no way. we came and we just had the best time and so 14 15 but anyway so Jack um, so the next trip me and Jack had a good time but that was my first trip J- shout out to Jack I love you he's a stuntman in Canada now by my mom he's just <laughs> he's one of us bro he just changed his life and Went somewhere else and just understood
0: the the mission. What what was uh what what was his turning point? Was it also like Wim Hof that kind of stuff? You tap into that. Nah,
1: Jack's just always been one of these go-getting blokes. You know, he's always just been a good, strong person. He's had the Kingsley family, just great people within Maroobera, and they just had a go-getter attitude, and that's where he ended up. You know. And uh, I love him, miss him. Anyway, that's so, a joy. First Earth. So we no, he takes me. So we go to. Anyway, we end up going to Neos back in the day. We get Smack Airlines. <laughs> Smack Airlines flights right used to. Get Don't check out. under your seat. Yeah, bro, it's the <laughs> sketchiest shit. These I've had them. I had like the propellers stop in the middle of the air and stuff. I was sitting next to Chris yeah. Davo, and Chris Davo said to me one day, "Hey, what happens if propellers propeller stops?" I go, "We die." He goes, the propeller just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> we're going out in the S1 yeah. And we're all just like, no. And then there um they comes over to a microphone. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, not like this in Indo. way. can I can you know, like mm-hmm. we've got to turn back to bad weather. It's like a perfect day. <laughs> wow. But anyway, so <laughs> well, I um I go up to Hanaka like up to Niass, and we spend like two weeks in Niass. Then we go out to the Hanakos and dry. we get there and drive. So i got those Kobe keep safe. But we get the tiny little banana boats, you know, the outrigger boats, the one, the single one with two outriggers. Yeah. And we go out to Bower because Tom Curran had been there the year yep. before. And Jai just took me out of Arsul and Bower for two weeks out in these islands on these little boats, bro. We all had one boat each. (laughs) I had like, (laughs) I was sleeping in the like, you know, it was like a little bit, you know, I can't think of the names of the boats. But I had like a a mattress that was like half this mattress, just could fit your body on it, you know. Like a seat mattress, you know, the little long skinny ones. Yeah. And we cooked meagurang noodles and we stayed out there for two weeks and we searched all and Bower and all the outside islands and the house. Wait, so were you camping on land or in the boat? No, we're in the boat. Get fucked. Yeah, it was one of the funnest experiences I've ever had in my whole life. We didn't even go to land most time. We never went to land. Mate, that is bizarre. That's wild. Yeah, well, that's my brother, you know. That's my big brother, Jai. He's an outgoing, you know, just crazy individual that really lives his life or he did you know
0: mate and one of the greatest surfers of his generation like you know fuck peerless at the cape backside and uh this a fucking incredible surf it's i guess like it's pretty wild when you when you really look at the lineage and crunch the numbers of, of your brothers like you had two two of the best surfers from the eastern suburbs at that time and they were taking you to indonesia at a time when you know surf travel was, was only just like there was big corners of this archipelago that were barely explored.
1: Fuck, what an experience, man. Sonny was on the pro tour at that time, so I was um, I was at home. I used to get devastated when they'd leave, yeah? Jai would go to Indo, Sunny would go on the pro tour. And then one year, Jai's just like, you're coming. And I was just like, this... this Yes. <laughs> now, oh, <man. laughs> hey guys. So, what you got to do? You got to sell weed until you can a it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Great advice. Like, yeah. Legendary. And that's exactly how it worked out, and yeah. exactly what happened, and that's where I ended up.
0: Mate, and uh, you know, it's a it's a plant that grows in the ground. there's I don't think it it, it doesn't cross any karmic or spiritual laws it's just some fucking dumb cunt president nixon and a bunch of dumb cunt cops who, who get off you for slinging
1: pot so you know fuck yeah me. you
0: were karmically intact when you got here and you got karmically rewarded with some fucked up kinds
1: yeah like yeah i don't really care even about what they say about it you know what i mean i don't care about anything they say but like that's what i did you know what i mean like and it worked out really well. <laughs> and I'm really happy with it. And the tell us, man, tell us that's about... That's the only decision I had to do. <laughs> that's like, you know, that's the only... That was the only option, mate, back then.
0: <laughs> I love that story. I wish I could just... I wouldn't mind going into it more. Like, t- like, what kind of waves were you surfing? Um, I mean, tell us about some memorable sessions. Um, we went out,
1: so... We went out to Arsa. Arthur. And is that big left out there. Uh, my mate Steve Levine's got a camp out there now. Um, but he it was just an amazing wave. It was a big long left and then it had this big detonation se- section at the end. And you'd get a big barrel into a big triple up at the end or just turn into this huge big slab and Jai's like, this is the spot where we go to ride barrels, bro. And I'm like, all right, let's go there. You know, that's, that sounds great to me. And we went there and we'd done that. And then Karen had just come out maybe that year or had been there of this footage of Bauer and we heard about Bauer, but we were always at Arsu, So then we went around to Bauer and then we stayed there. So I don't know if it was the current year or we, maybe we were before current now that I think about it. But anyway, so you'd have to look into that. But maybe yeah. maybe Arsene. we'll be. Brook Sylvester is just, you know, he made that uh, movie um, – idyllic Indo and and all these good ones but is
0: paradise of brooks yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. so um (laughs) we made yeah those movies like you know chook done a great job but anyway yeah so we ended up out there and we just i can't remember you know it was a long time ago i can't remember uh all the pacifics but yeah we ended up going on these boats these tiny like 10 foot but like little outrigger boats just with two outriggers on them Back and forth to us, <laughs> bower. <laughs> I'm sleeping in them, it's sleeping unbelievable. Sleeping in them. So you know, because you go from Nias um, to to uh, out to Niass, out to the Hanakos, and it was, took us about ten hours in night. On the first night, it was supposed to take us ten hours. We got there in like eighteen hours in the first one, the first voyage out from. Nias out to Hanako's, dries like a bit. It's like six hours, bro. It took us 18 hours to get <laughs> out In there. the little boats. You guys yeah, just boat. putting out. We putt putted the whole way. You fucking We slept me, on the boats. you yeah. me, man. So that was our, um, that's how we chased those waves down. So I grew up in that sort of environment of surfer, really. Super feral, like turned up, fucking, man. I guess that's like, you know,
0: boat trips are pretty expensive. That's like the Hauso kid from Arubra's version of a boat trip, a fucking 10 foot banana
1: boat. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> exactly what it was and we'd done it for about a million rupee, you know what I mean like it cost us a hundred thousand a day bro. like we killed it and it's still the most rememberable trip of my life and then anyway then Dave Davo the next year after or the two years later after we had such a good thing uh, I was about 14 I'd done such a good thing but Dave Davo put on a comp out there and got Craig Holly uh, Joel Fitz Jai and all the best surfers in Australia, Glenn Curtis. Um, who else was it? If I'm forgetting anyone, boys, I'm so sorry. Uh, who was it? Glenn Curtis. Um, Brett Warner.
0: Yeah. Brett was um, just here a um, second. Yeah, was Brett, was,
1: Brett just left. Um, Brett Warner and, yeah, they put all the Australia's best and I just happened to be there. And Jai got hurt. This was a couple of years later, but Jai got hurt and then I took over, and that really kick started my career as well because I was, I, I think I got semis in the NEAS when I was like 15 in the big Nias kind of.
0: Man, that's crazy. So, how did, so Dave Davos, an old school Bondi guy, and I mean, how did he have the credentials to put on a contest or what did this contest look like? I mean, that's a, that's mad. That's like fucking like iconic, um, you know, it's the, era of the billabong super challenge like that's that like they're still it, trying to
1: recreate comps like that. And it not was able based, to do it. you know what it ended up being it ended up being like a longer version of the wsl if i remember like it's two ways over one day yeah wow. one day of surfing you get your two best ways scored and that's what it was and so and we all went surfing and we had heats and stuff and the two best ways you'd have like two sets of heats you know and it was something like that but I'm sure it was the two best waves of the day and judged by the surface. judged by the surface. I love yeah. it that is so classic fuck mm. I'm pretty sure Craig Holly won if I remember Jai was winning and then Jai pulled into like a 12 footer at the end section of ba- uh, at Arsenal on one day and got lipped picked up and thrown out into the flats on a huge one and broke both his eardrums yeah. and I took and then I had to take over Wow. Then I got hurt, like, later on, but,
0: yeah. I reckon getting lit up in remote Indonesia is one of the heaviest things that can happen to you, let alone in the fucking mid-90s. Like, you know, even now, it, it's such a gnarly proposition. As, as perfect as the waves are, like, you got to make them because if you don't and you get fully skinned or crack your skull or break your leg, mate, it is a long, long way to the nearest hospital.
1: Yeah, back then, bro, we are like, well, two that da- two days from hospitals you know real ones um, I just do it myself now you know I went through that years of just doing it yourself I understood that the hospitals took money and and they weren't better than me like stitching stitching everything everything, everything you know uh, if back then if you'd broke your leg there's no chance you're going into the host- hospital back then Going in they make that, that they chop it off bro like we you have to sh- get back to Bali and get on a flight out of there yeah. as soon as you possibly could and walk through the airport on your broken leg mate because if you, they wouldn't let you on the plane you're in serious trouble back then that's wild yeah so it was those days of Indonesia it was wild wild west and it was some of the some of the best moments of my life back then I'm really proud to be a surfer oh man
0: how, and you know how crazy as a kid from Ruby, from this like you know inner city Fucking kind of a shithole. Like I think the easterns. I'm I'm saying that lovingly. Like you know, I grew up more or less in, in that entire zone from Bondi to LARPA and, and, and Redfern and Redfern, and shit. It's kind of a shithole. Like pretty fu- a lot of fucking drama and shit. <laughs> and then you, you but then you get put into this exotic culture. Like talk to us about how mind blowing it is to st- set foot in like a, a third world like but tropical tripped out other culture as a 14 15
1: 16 year old so for starters i love that place you talked about i loved all those communities yeah like i really really loved them and i'd love to have a house there but i don't think i'd be the same person that i am now but i'll never like speak downly upon my community because that's just the community that raised me and it made me this but i just changed the to the better me, you know, mm. and I have some great qualities, and they all come from that area, bro. They yeah, all, you know Mate, what I mean. They, all my mates and, that live there will still call it a shithole. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, but <laughs> it's like the elements on top of the. They of fucking the, hate the, the joint. They yeah. wish they were living here. Well, I've, I've like we had that conversation before. Like, I don't want to get on the bags and that. I don't want to get on. You know, I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't, I don't want to be at – You know, I don't want to be. I'm, I'm. We're older now, and but once upon a time, that was. That was. But it doesn't, it was a great place, but it doesn't help. Character building yeah, place. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. You yeah. know, and when I was a kid, I loved that place. 100%. Yeah.
0: yeah. For sure. Me too. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's home as yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, we'll go easy, is. mate. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't want to get some angry texts. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, just talk to us about the, the culture shock, you know, and, and how that opened your eyes for for a kid from, from housing commission, inner city housing commission, you know, it must've been a, a rude shock, but
1: in the best kind of way. Like, those last years of life was the Bra Boys' years of life, right? Like, the movie. And they were a really negative effect on my life. They sent me in some really yucky areas, like, terrible, like, dark areas, you know, like... Like everyone wanted to talk to you and stuff, you know, and everyone was a part of it. And everyone, it didn't matter what country I went to, it got really big. Celebrity is a trauma of its own, they say. No, but I'm not going to say like that. I'm not trying to say celebrity. I'm just talking about me as a human in those years. And then I just tortured myself, you know, and I really went on with it. Like, because I surfed till I was 30, and I went like hard out surfing. Wanted to be a world champion, like, till about 30. And then realised that I could make money in these slabs and better money than I would have ever made, you know. So I said, I'm going to chase this life. But that life and the people who I'm with, who are my best friends today and I wouldn't have changed the thing for, will go on hard out, you know. And... And that's what it was, you know what I mean. And... I can't remember what I was kind of going with, but, yeah. You know what I mean? But that's where – that's – I wouldn't have changed a thing, bro. You know, like I wouldn't have changed it. Mm.
0: I guess, like, man, it's hard to (laughs) draw straight lines through your life because it's just like a a full-blown roller coaster where, you know, you're going from –
1: Oh, yeah. So we're talking about – we're actually talking about going and coming to here. Inner city poverty to Indo – And, like, for me, like,
0: as a kid, my mum took me to Nepal randomly when I was 12. And, you know, she went to... That sounds nice. It was mental. Like, you know, it was the only holiday we went on. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. But, you know, she was not coping. She was a victim of domestic violence. And she went to an ashram uh, in India for six weeks to sort herself out, left me with my uncle. And then I met her in Nepal. And I'll never forget it, man, being, like, 12 years old Uh, and you know sometimes I could think that maybe I had it tough but then I went to this country where the poverty was so intense and the people were so kind and it just like it fucked me up in the best kind of way you know
1: It, it made me so appreciative of what I had at home but then also, bro, you can think of it that way, but then also the guy who's fucking beating the fuck out of us sitting at home drinking beers and she's there fixing herself comes back to the same abuse. Well, exactly, mate. That's the thing. These people, as poor as they were, they yeah. still come
0: from good families. Yeah. And I, I didn't have that. And um, so it's a funny thing. Like, the older I got, I realised that. I'm like, it doesn't matter how poor you are. If you've got a loving, stable family unit, that's, that is worth way more than all the
1: fucking money in the world. In terms of happiness and contentment. And, and, and you know, like, with if you follow me on Instagram and, like, you know, that's my outreach to anyone who's ever, like, thought Kobe Abram was cool. It's my only outreacher. Like, I, I don't do any podcasts. This is the first podcast I've ever done. Like, I'm not trying to go out there and, like, uh, be something. But I want you to understand that, like, through my life and what I lived and the tortures I went through and the hard life, but the best life, it it led me to be a great dad. I went through all these things and and that's the only outcome. That's the only thing that I've got to show, you know. I want to show that because if you grew up in my environment, in your environment, you didn't even see that shit. They went back, you know, like and it's just and that's my that's why I'm trying to make a positive message through it.
0: Yeah, well when I look at you, I look at like you know, the, all those things you went through they were character building but usually they devour you they fucking destroy you and your family but you sacked up and you I don't want to keep harping on about it but you fucking you do the work man you wake up you do fucking 20 minutes of hard out breathing and it pumps you up with love for the day and it gives you one more day on this planet um, full of love and bit by bit life gets easier from
1: that point on and um, you know it's a big message but keep in mind my chick hates me at the moment, so you know what I mean? But what I'm saying, that's right. That's where we are, you know. But you know what I've been doing now? I've been doing uh, yoga and breathing at the same time, and that's the key. Wow. Yeah,
0: bro. Yeah, bro. You're tapping
1: into the source. I can understand what it is now. And so i got a story to tell you. And I know, you know, this, this conversation, guys, I've got a bipolar mind, yeah. My mind takes me anywhere we go. So if I don't stay on subjects, it's just who I am. But I've like, I to prove the the Wim Hof, So about two years ago, when I three years ago when I first started, I went to to deserts, yeah, and I got hammered, and it was like 10, 12 foot. I'm sitting down the grower, no one out, just in the middle of nowhere, really scary. The grower is uh, for those who
0: aren't where it's basically pipeline, but it's a closeout.
1: Yeah, and 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 I was sitting down there by myself, and. I get one and I, I drag and I it just runs off on me and I get really pounded and I get caught there and then I get washed the whole way around the point. I get about eight on the head, 10, 12 footers, yeah? Like big ones, big, huge, white washes, as big as like huge, like three, four storey buildings. They look like that, like what, they look like this, just running down on you. And I got right to the end of it. Like, fucking, I was struggling, bro. Like, I never struggle. I'm as fit as all fuck for some reason. I'm just a really strong human belief in myself that I don't... I look the way I look, you know, because I I really believe it. You have the champion mindset. Yeah, but anyway, so I get caught inside for, like, ten sets in a row and I'm on the verge of just... I'm really, like, I can't feel my arms and I can't feel my legs... And, you know, there's things I'm starting to see colours and the whites, I don't know, which is up and which is down, like I'm on, at the edge of it and it washes me in, okay? I just get it and it just washes me in. So anyway, I started doing the Wim Hof, right? Because I heard about the breathing and I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I've got to try something because that shit, I, I was in trouble, mate. Mm. And I don't really... if. If you've got to run, like, 30 kilometers to, like, believe that you can handle a smash and it's probably not your game to serve big waves, you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not that guy. Mm. So I thought, oh, I'll try the breathing. And then my wife said, uh, Ola said to me, you got to try the breathing, you know, like, it's amazing. they have just done a... So she does it a bit? Yeah, we all do it. Bro. My kid does it. Fuck like, yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. Yes, yeah, bro. Brother, <laughs> You're what are man. You talking about? You're the man. I yeah, love we do.
0: She look <laughs> at your family. You're the,
1: you're the epitome of what that shit does for you, man. It's, but, it's but, amazing. but back to this story. So I get that first time. I get I get smashed, yeah, and I've, then I work it out. Anyway, six months later, I've been doing this breathing all, all this time, and the same things happens to me. I nosedive. I'd f- go down, I'd bang me head on like a 10-footer at, at the grower, I'd go straight and try to, I tried to like like cut f- on an angle with a straight, like dragging. I tried to turn straight and drag straight and it kicked me forward, you know. I dragged and I tried to turn straight to pump up into the barrel, but it kicked me all forward and I'd nosedive, like went down into the reef, right? So I picked me up, slammed me and I got a real big, like back slamming and hit me head backwards like that. Oh, yeah. Wham! And it slammed me. That's heavy. So first wave, me air comes out of me. Yeah? First wave, all my air comes out. I feel it because I'm, it's kind of banging me head and I realise that uh, like I've been smashed pretty good, you know? So it's like knocked me air out. And then I get eight more on the head. Right? And I'm and I'm fine. And I'm completely fine. <laughs> so what I've worked out, I ended up getting about 10, 12 ways on the head. I worked out that the the Wim Hof stores oxygen in your body, bro. Wow. Yeah. So it stores it throughout your body. I was fine. I shouldn't have been fine, you know. And the only answer that I could come up with, because I come in and I sat on me, on me bed, right, and I'm like, that was heavy. I just hit me head. I got ten on the head, 10, 12 foot day, dead low tide, going in different bays, and I was all right. And it's the breath work is storing oxygen within your body.
0: Yep, that's insane. That's so crazy. It uh, it does that. It also generates a lot of adenosine triphosphate, which is like one step off fucking steroids. It's it's basically like allows tissue repair to occur at a rate that's uh you know and regeneration to occur that's why one of the reasons i do it's obviously for the mental health benefits but also just trying to pump that much O2 into my brain uh to heal number of concussions but um mate
1: so yeah fuck i don't know where to go from there but uh, i guess that well you know what else to go from there but anyway so like um i'm taking mickey avalon mickey avalon's gonna um sorry mickey avalon's gonna we're doing some breath work sessions and i know it's gonna change his life
0: Mate, that's great news. I actually wanted to ask you, you know, like, I know you were really close to to Andy Irons and um, and that family, and, you know, I'm sure that there were times in your life where you straddled, like, heavy mental health issues, probably issues with substances, and to see, you know, Mickey and him were tight, right?
1: All of us were tight. You know, that that lunatic crew that you've seen together? They were tight, <laughs> you know? It was like, um, we, they were tight, you know, somehow all those sorts of people were hanging in the same circles. And, you know, and, um, yeah, like we're all friends, you know? Like all, all these communities come together, music, skate, like it, it, it's like, you know, they find each other
0: what was that culture like though like you know when you guys were the young fucking slab glutton maniacs like you know would you looking back on those times would you say
1: you're in mentally in good nick was it a healthy lifestyle that you guys were living no brother so what remember what i said i was 30 when i started like Going hard out, and only when I only like I was no, it's probably like 32 when I I had big dreams and aspirations, and I chased them first and foremost, yeah. And uh it was like my older part of my life where then we went to slabs. Me, Richie Vast, just the absolute animal of all animals. Mark Matthews, just the beast, like fucking mass nerd. You know what I mean? Like Chalky, <laughs> like uh who else was there? James Rooster Adams remember he got that one at uh, at the Cape that at call? the Cape like just played in an football against Rooster yeah Boo like Boo is just a beast Boo's got one of the most casual styles standing in these huge barrels he's got real understanding of where the lip is and it's a really hard one to work mm-hmm. out in surfing and you got ever runs a runs a good straight hard line, like Evan well. Falks, You know right what I mean? Right. <laughs> like the, uh, Evan was just a beast. You know what I mean? He was that
0: skinny as a kid. And he had the original Shark Island slab when I was when he was. I remember when he was like maybe yeah, fifteen, bro. a couple years early, older than me, and seeing it open it up in tracks. And there was a guy from the area, like in this fucking filthy slab of the island, like shit. Like that was so massive to me as a kid.
1: Yeah, and I just trained these kids into fucking animals, bro. Like I was. Trained by animals. My brothers and that were animals. They were like making me do push-ups at ten and stuff. You know, like I was training hard at like twelve years old. Like I was boxing people in the backyard and then I had well best mates with Ronnie Reardon, who's the Australian champion, who was just we just it was just our idol as a kid. One of the greats. Yeah, yeah, one of the greats. And then we had like you know you got Wayno there, just travelling, charging, and then you've got like. Giant Sunny, who are really taken off as surfers, and Tony Seddon, you know, like all these amazing surfers within our community, and I wanted to be the best one, so I just trained from a from a young young age.
0: And what did you learn through training? Like, people can write training off as as or whatever, but one of the things that I feel like you learn, you just get used to doing shit you don't want to do, and and that's a really powerful lesson. You know, I got that from football it's just part of it you've got to flog yourself all the time and you don't question it but you know that's cool now I've channeled that energy into doing Wim Hof every morning I don't want to do it every morning I fucking it's a a fucking chore I don't want to meditate I don't want to (laughs) like I think it's harder than any training yeah Mm. it it is Mm. it's hard man but I got used to doing shit I don't want to do because I understood the benefits of it I mean was that something that that taught you that 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 fucking hard training culture in Maroobo
1: Well, so, there's a lot of masculinity where I grew up, you know. You had South Sydney Rabbitohs. You had uh, uh, the Roosters. You had all the local footy community around you. You know, you had all the surfers. It's, like, good masculine energy, you know. Everyone's ripped and that. Surfers were, like, strong, healthy people, bro. To this day, we're the healthiest. Trust me, guys. Like, we're the healthiest people there are. And, like... I wanted to be the strongest and the healthiest and and my brothers made me do it and that's just what it was you know and so I grew up in that sort of community and then surfing at the beach and you know. With that sort of energy going around, bro, there's lots of shit going on. And, and talk to us a bit about Sonny. You know, he was on the
0: tour. Um, you know, who were some of the guys that he was traveling with? I'm sure you would have brought him back to Mooba at times and you would have been fucking sharing oh, a garage, and
1: ripping Billy's with uh, fucking who knows. No, I had no way. No Billy's back. Then. No, that's all. Pros. <laughs> I was trying to be a pro server then, bro. Like, like I said, like late on. But I had Shane Dorian. I had Slater. Where? I had Benji Weatherly, who. To this day, they've always been my friends. I had Benji Weatherly. I think I had Machado. I had Todd Prestige, who was wow. just a legend. Lee Miller uh, from Wollongong. Uh, who else was there? Chatty Edsa from Newcastle. I had these people coming and staying at our house, bro. And it was just some, you know, we're a surfing family, mate. And uh, and you know, it was a, it was a great upbringing. I really loved it. You know, uh, apart from all the hard stuff on the side, I didn't see any of that shit, bro. I had my blinkers on just... Sport mat. Sport mat. You know, like, and, you know yeah. right? Football and surfing. Yeah, it was all just it great. Was.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's crazy, man. I, like, you know, I can remember the times when pro surfers come through Bondi, and it, it wasn't often, because why would you? The joints are fucking shit. Oh, it's got the worst waves ever. But, you know, I can, re- I can remember, like, you know, you. Uh, Sean Munro's and like yeah. fuck it I remember Rasta once was there and Jack Johnson and fucking yeah. Yadon Nickel and TB and shit and like I never got to interact with them because yeah. I wasn't of that ilk I didn't have that connection into that world but I mean just talk to us about I guess sharing space with some of these guys like who, who were the ones that so, so if you want to have a story about
1: Bondi right I uh, I remember when I was a little kid and Shane Dorian and Benji Weatherly and whoever I want to say donovan or he's like a billabong crew early early days maybe ross williams and uh sunny garcia always used to come over who's one of my really great friends john Shamuka, who's one of my great friends mm-hmm. i was really close with all those guys but anyway um i went over to bondi in a big bus in the big team bus and we gave stickers out and i remember all the kids like, oh my god you know what i mean like bondi because kind of wasn't known then it wasn't cool Nah. You know what I mean? Back then when you, when I was a kid, Bondi just happened, you know? The, the gentrification kicked in and it started, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I lived through the the Bondi of old and the Bondi of Did new. Did you? Yeah. Uh, good years, mate. Like, you know, it's like another
1: suburb. How of, old are you? I'm 35. Yeah, I'm 44, bro, and I think I lived like a really, in the golden years of surfing in like, in those areas, you know? When you still seen Bondi, like, the ghetto yeah you know what i mean bondi was just as you know it was mate it was like another suburb everywhere fuck, dude,
0: it was like a another suburb of auckland you know at times like i played mm. a grade for bondi united i was one of five white guys in the team at that point and that yeah. that was like you know that was that was pretty late that was like late noughties still yeah. and uh you know fuck man i this radio show comes from uh, uh my first my start in the media came through koorie radio but on a Polynesian program, uh, called the Tungna Finnawa crew. And, um, I used to do a sports report. My mum used to buy a pot off one of the fucking, off one of the now And, uh, there I was, you know, 16 year old Simivi fucking surrounded by all the bros ripping billies. And I was doing me little fucking nerdy football report on the, on the crew radio phoning in on Saturdays. And, uh, you know, that was the bond I grew up in. But, you know, I also, the first time I got knocked out was by an older Maori man in the, Hotel I was 17 with a fucking chock <laughs> top wetty tan and peach fuzz on my face and this dude was hitting up hitting on the chick I was with and I, I, you know stepped to him ripped the cigarette out of his mouth told him to fuck off and mate uh, I remember like I just remember fucking people could see that I was a kid uh-huh. and they were trying to get in front of this dude because um, I just remember t- hearing a commotion and turn around and I saw two people dropped
1: yeah. before
0: he n- nicked me on the chin and dropped me um, so you know that was the That was the area I grew up in. People often say, I get a bit of shame now telling people I'm from Bondi because um, there's this assumption that, you know, I grew up with money or that it's – people only – they don't understand that it was a working-class suburb for, like, the whole life until, like,
1: 2010 um, or or maybe just before that. But, yeah. So I've looked into that a lot, what you just said, and I thought to myself, right, out of all the things I learned, right, what can be learned in those environments – masculinity, you know, strength, honor, loyalty. And one of the biggest ones are we grew up with those people. So we ha- we grew up in r- truer, in pure like multicultural society yes, yes. in the Housing Commission, right? And all these other people can go through this life and pretend that happened, but it really happened to me and through going through that all oh, I love everyone. 100% man You know what I'm saying like Dude, and, it's and beautiful that's, And that's like a, uh, And Like Yeah so like You know what I mean Man I love it Like um, you know I'm so grateful
0: You know, We li- We moved around so much So Like We lived in all the suburbs In the inner city You know Mum, mum dated an Aboriginal Fellow f- f- Like So we were down on the block In the 90s for a long time Went and lived in a commission flat With him in West Oz And he ended up bashing her And we ended up you know, go on this mad trip and living in the Alice in for six months. And like, we were po- kind of pikies, you know, like we were just doing our best to f- survive the rental market. And, b- but our class of people was an amazing class of people. It was like, it was a lot of uh, Maori and Polynesian, a lot of indigenous, um, you know, there was Bondi had this bohemian thing going on too. So you had like, you know, my mum was this, you know, young, pretty attractive single mom. She had a bunch of gay mates who would become like uncles for me. Like, mm. um, you know, I, I couldn't possibly be bigoted or have any kind of superficial judgment of a person because they tick some box. It's impossible for me to be like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've experienced love and, and kindness from every kind under the sun. Like, so, uh, yeah, man, and I credit the inner city of Sydney for that and I, I fight for that, man. When I work as a journalist, I, I, I wrote a lot about the importance of having these economically and culturally diverse communities in the inner city, like, giving poor people the opportunity, like myself, like yourself, to live on the beach and, and you know, connect with prosperous people. Like, that's how I become a journalist because fucking, you know, there was a, a middle-class guy who hooked me up with a job at tracks mm. and then Stab because of where I lived. If I lived in Mount Druitt or fucking one of them joints, like, there's no way I'd be here right now. I'd be fucking, yeah. I'd probably be in jail or dead because there's no opportunity out there.
1: I agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree. You know, like, yeah, we're very lucky to, to, and then that that's that's what I thought about. So we're like we're very lucky to grow up in that environment and to be, given such a quality.
0: I mean, talk to us about. I love the like your generation from rural. Like, I feel like all the suburbs kind of have their turn. You know, like Bondi in the eighties, nineties was an amazing hotbed of professional surfing talent, yeah. you know, the Cran brothers, Bill Powers, Elsie, the Weber brothers, Shane, Haran, uh, Dave, Davo, like... But when I was a kid, it was Maroubra's turn. It yeah. was like all the good surfers, all the good footballers were coming out of Maroubra, um, you know, yourself, Ev, Mark... Um, Fucking Vass, you know, and then the, the football man, I was football mad as a kid. Yeah, I played football, I played A grade, I cut Sato and Rennie, Sato, Rennie, uh, Damon, oh, fucking like, so
1: good call, bro.
0: Weapons, man, like, yeah. and um, all of them, yeah, like, and all these guys, and and so many more to this day, like, still producing. It's a big nursery down there for football. Talk to us, not about like
1: then, bro. Not tra- like then, I swear to god, I made a lot of them. Yeah, talk to us about that because I know Sato and that we were like We just tortured them, bro We tortured them They were young Maribur kids, bro and we just made them do stuff We just would say you're coming on this run now and you're doing it whether you like it or not I'm going to beat you up And Tough like, love. Like not beat you up beat you up just hammer you you know what I mean? Like grummet abuse but just like fun do it tease you you know if you didn't do it you got teased the most terrible words anyone can think of to say to you if they felt like rumbling you and beating you up, they would do it too, you know. And we we grew up in this great environment and, and to our such just, such an amazing time that Rennie and Sato come through that with us too, you know. And Chris Anaharo playing footy. And there was so many different kids playing footy, you know. And, you know, Damon Alatovio and all these legends of, of the local footy sites coming together and believing in what we were doing which was training and going as hard as we could you know like we'll, everything we're doing we're going hard and football's a tough game like
0: were you influenced by you know like it's brutal mate you're dealing with everyone's 100 kilos minimum is dealing with the biggest cunts on planet earth did that influence you in surfing anyway like if they were sending it as hard as they were on the football field were you like that influenced you to Fucking charge in the Mate, water. The
1: whole the whole area, it completely shaped my
0: life. <laughs> so when it comes to packing slabs, you're thinking, "Fuck, Soto's oh, out there, everything. fucking having to tackle fui right, fui we'll, moi, moi. We're we'll just constantly. I'm going to go that, this thing at because. Right, so fucking, I bring not them out,
1: but then they just got to a level. These kids, all of them, every single surfer I named, and and the footy players, and everyone else, who were just all animals. And we've just grown up in this environment of animals at this this stage. You know, like but when we got there we just pushed them, pushed them and pushed them and pushed them and pushed them and teased them and made them strong you know and 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 there was so many different kids from that uh, era and it was because of that because because men need to be men and you know and we made them men and and trained them and and i was trained and you know there was certain morals involved with growing up in the eastern suburbs in those years that were instilled that were great and that are used to this day to make you a successful man. A lot of those things that you learn,
0: like, uh, like a lot of the reason that you even aspire f- f- for sporting greatness is because you see your surf heroes on telly, right? You see them, uh, your football heroes on telly and they look happy, everyone's chanting their name and shit. And, but the pathway to get there, you got to rip in, you got to be a fucking a dogged... Uh, unapologetic maniac to get to that level mm. but mate once the lights turn down once the waves stop pumping you, you still have to survive life moment to moment and a lot of those things that you that I learned in trying to be a professional footballer and you know they didn't serve me like some of them served me nothing served you some bro. of it but a,
1: nothing a, a lot of it I'm calling it nothing, mate, nothing. <laughs> like
0: some of it served me like Discipline in that, but like, like that was something I took away from it. Discipline, training, um, doing things that you don't want to do, but then on, on the same, in the same breath, like that shit also fucking dropped me to my lowest point. Like yeah. the the anger, the, the the you know, there was so much anger that was encouraged, aggression that was encouraged, like a, uh, alpha male tendencies. um A lot of this issue was like encouraged by that same culture, and it was. Fucking so toxic for me.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I I fully encouraged it, but I fully encouraged it, you know. But um. And it got them to where they got to, made them sporting greats. But you know, how how are the boys faring now? Yeah, they're not there. But like, it's just that's 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 just you know, that's just life. Like, um, I'm just interested in the,
0: the dark side of um, that fucking yearning to be the best.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like. Who hasn't lived through years of suicide, you know what I mean? Who hasn't been dark in your own head? You know, you... you this life's pretty hard, bro. Like, this this life, what they teach you in school and stuff, it's not real. It's horseshit. It doesn't help you when the chips are down Yeah, when the chips bit. are down. Algebra so has like, not helped me once, mate. So, like, I almost believe that uh, the, the toxicity that I went through kept me alive. But if you wanted to look at it at a deeper level, maybe... It, it made me toxic you know what i mean maybe it was all the things that made the worse but you know what i mean i think both those things are true i think that toxicity is what
0: gave me so much drive i never had mental health problems as a kid because i was so focused on you know being the best surfer i could be and the best footballer i could be and those things end up kind of canceling each other out in a weird way but um, you know, still, like, I didn't have a spare moment to think about fucking anything because I was either at football training or I was going surfing and running to the beach or, run, you know, like... Was... Well, and, but also
1: keep in mind, like, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was in year seven, my mum was a junkie, right? Who, who couldn't get me to school, who couldn't turn up to nothing, couldn't get me school clothes, couldn't make me lunch... If I didn't have that in me, bro, I'd be in serious trouble. I just used to get people's money off them from day one, you know, Uh, and I had no choice, bro. You know what I mean? I had no choice in that. So also a lot of that community was going through that. So there was no choice in a lot of areas, you know what I mean? I left school in year eight, bro, and it wasn't because I didn't want to learn. It's because I couldn't go to school. I couldn't afford the school fees. So asking me questions about me mum and my, why my mum couldn't come to school, mate. I couldn't get her to fuck... I couldn't find her, you know what I mean? Like, mm. why is your mum not coming to this meeting? Mate, I don't know why my mum's not coming to this meeting. Why are you not wearing school clothes? Because I don't even got money, any money. Why you take kids, you know? And the environment that I was raised in, I excelled in that environment, you know? And that's where it led me, you know? So, like, it's like, yeah...
0: Do you think, you know, I can only speak personally. I don't want to, like, put my story into yours because we have very different stories in a lot of ways too. But um, just the low self-esteem was the engine for me. That was the motivation to be the best. It was I felt like shit, but if I fucking kicked a ball through these two sticks or if I did a good turn, I was the man for a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that drove me. It, it, but that it, shit doesn't help you in everyday life. Not <laughs> at all. Kick a ball between uh, yeah, two so sticks is useless.
1: What I, what I, but what what I was taught and what I was, like you know, I totally agree with you, bro. Like like, there was nothing I was taught in my childhood that helped me in today. Not one thing. You know what I mean? I've got my own morals because of that childhood, but it didn't teach me how to be anything else. Mm,
0: exactly. It didn't
1: even teach me I had to get a job when I was older. I left school in year seven, bro. It didn't even teach me that. It didn't even teach me that you need to, you know, become 30 years old. And my environment did not teach me that that at all. I didn't even know about the job. I never, I couldn't even see myself living past 30.
0: I didn't care if I made 30 when yeah. I was younger. It meant nothing to me. I was like, 30? We You're fucking dead by then. Yeah. I, li- I literally thought you used to think that. And, uh, and then I got to 30 and I was very close to... You know, I was I, I was inundated with suicidal thoughts. Like it was gnarly, and mate, I didn't know where to turn exactly. It was Luke Daniels, a surfer from uh, Bronny uh, Legend, great shaper. He put me onto Wim Hof, and you know, things started slowly turning around from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: I mean, talk to us about the rock bottom for you. Like you were mentioning before, and I think it's it's good for people to hear this because. You know, there's a lot of people listening to this show who who will be struggling right now who are going through that dark patch. Like, how long have some of your dark patches lasted for and
1: how did you survive? Mate, the dark patches last with the darkness you do to yourself. You know what I mean? You can't... You you can't pretend to, like, party and get on it and take your drugs and do whatever you want to do and then, like, think it's going to be good. It's not good. Like, it gets you, bro. And once you're in those modes of party modes, bro, your darkness is going on for a long time. It's going on till you stop partying, mate. And, uh, you know, I've had some good five-year hit-ups, a couple of five years, two, maybe one or two five years. Um, I've gone from Oxycontin addiction to just party addiction. You know what I mean? Oxycontin edition, when I broke my back at deserts, I get back to Australia, my doctor gives me Oxycontin for the first time and I'm hooked from the first fucking three days. That went on for, you know, three years plus. That was a horrible one. And then partying through Bra Boys... Was a good seven years <laughs> wow
0: Holy you know shit, what I mean man.
1: but uh making just bank and just killing it oh, and just dude. going on and on and on you know so like you can uh but also in that state all those states if there's a good swell I'm on mm. I'm going and you'll see me at that slab I didn't miss swells mental you know what I mean so I was a madman but uh but yeah you you know, within those states, you can get pretty low, bro. Like, you can really... But now I look at it, and I understand that it's the drugs involved in the situations, it's the alcohol, it's the bad stuff that they give us, these governments give us. And, you know, this. that's what's affecting you. Just go out and, and enjoy your life, and, and you'll be good. And to people maybe
0: dealing with that situation right now, like what would be your advice to
1: like the first one's harden up you know what i mean like there is tomorrow right like but you just got to make it to tomorrow you know what i mean you got to not let that real bad one like be the last one you know you can't get yourself to that over the top level you know, and if you get there, you got to understand that your life's in a bad place and you need to change, you know. Like, there's a certain... When you're willing, and you're semi-keen, and you start thinking about it daily, uh, and you start making plans to do it, It's that's when it's time to, like, change it all. You know, like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm getting on a plane. I'm going now. I, I'm, I'm going if I'm going to do that, like, let's go and do something. Fucking fuck you, everyone. I'm like, I'm out. You're not serving me. You know, you're not serving me. And like, just pack up and just change your life. Because there's depression and there's like shit life. You know? And they're I'm not smart enough to say what they are, but there's depression and there's shit life. And going for a shitty life it leads to depression you know mm. you're leading yourself to this area of 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 hurt and you know you are and you just do it and you smash it and and it's not good
0: yeah man I, I would describe depression and the, the road to to suicidal thinking as um the build up of years and years of stress and and in particular the stress hormone cortisol Mm. which is carcinogenic and it prevents you from having any happiness cortisol actually cancels serotonin so you you can't be happy if you you, if you're stressing and uh, i feel like depression you know often it's unresolved trauma that's created a combative mentality with the world and you're constantly in conflict with people and it's generating all this cortisol inside of you um you know it could be the person you're living with you know they say that the person you live with is one of the biggest determinants of gut health and like which is where your serotonin's made so if you're living with fucking someone who's doing your head in it could be a family it could be anyone it doesn't matter you you're on uh, your, there's so many factors yeah that create that build up of cortisol and you need to figure out like depression and anxiety is just the body's way of telling you that you're doing something very fucking wrong and you need to sort it out. It's yeah. it, it's just an alarm bell and you need yeah, to figure I, it out.
1: I, I've never had real depression. I've had fucking crazy. I'm crazy. You know what I mean? I just do... Like, I, I'm really erratic. I th- I've never checked into what, I, what it is, but I'm very an erratic person, mm. you know? And it leads me into just avenues of just movie stuff, we, mm. you know? And, like, my ones, my... When I was like at my worst, it was from crazy, you know, and then it leads you to dark days, mm. you know, and they lead towards, it's not so much depression, it's your brain starts ticking and it's telling you to, you know. Hurt Intrusive you. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like just come hurt out yourself. Of you. And that's what I was. I wasn't depressed. I was too full of life and too crazy mm. and, you know, and then, due to my craziness and whatever I was going through at the time, it sent me to bed mm. you know yeah you'd still have good days here and there, yeah, and like I know d- depression is like the one but like like bipolar i'm not I don't know if I'm bipolar or anything like that, but I just like you know it's I'm very um uh, I'm very erratic I
0: mean yeah, but you know uh, so no, was, not now, not so much now. Yeah, just the wind off changes and, yeah, that, man, yeah, yeah, it. One hundred
1: percent snaps you out of it. 100%. Yeah, but that's where I leave. But still, to this day, I'm like always traveling avenues because <laughs> the erraticness, you know. So it's like a, it's living, bro. Mm, it
0: mm. really is surfing
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's living. Like, and uh, it's cool to be at, at ease. But then you, then <clears throat> this is just us coming a combo, yeah. Like, it's, it's cool, cool to be at ease, but, like, then, you know, that like, you know, then you get people who get to ease too much, and then they're just sort of out there, you know? So it's like I realised if you don't take the real hard days on, it's just life, mm. you know? Mm. Man, talk to us about the
0: film. Like, the film was fucking huge, man, like... Growing up, like that—that that, the bravoys film blew up like a fucking bomb in the area. It went so skits to the point that you had a million cunts like trying to be bravoys and shit. It was kind of got fucking a bit weird for a bit there. And uh, I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like from your perspective. Uh, you know. <laughs> how we did it yeah what it got was so the weird, fucking hell man
1: it got so weird. oh my Lord. so the best thing of all is like let's let's just talk about what the movie was about you know you, we all know what the movie was about like all these things we just talked about so my fan ain't Mick Fanning's fan yeah for starters exactly yeah <laughs> my fan is a mental case <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> so i was just like i was one of them Oh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, bro. And I was proud to meet you, bro. Like you know what I mean. Like I just took you all, all in. I'm that guy. Yeah. All right then, bro. You went through that. Well, let's meet you. Hang out and go and party, or like you know what I mean. That's what that was. And that's that's kindness,
0: man. That's looking after your own, you know. And that's really respectable, I think.
1: Yeah, no, but 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 it got so such to a level, and uh, yeah, it was like detrimental to my health, bro. Like you know, but but it was a great time i wouldn't change it it was such a nice time I had such a good time with so many people but then also leading up to that point you know it was it was just it was chaotic man making that movie brother shit that happened in those 3 years of my life like that it was normal stuff and then we had like people in my family doing other stuff in between and then other friends you only seen a little bit of the story, but my life was, like, gnarly entwined with, like, dark. <laughs> Mate, like, like I was saying, like, the, the early and mid-2000s... In and the, then you go from that point to stardom. Yeah. And, and you're still that person. Of course. Of course. How but only just it? stopped. <laughs> and, and
0: it's, like, ongoing. and But at the same time, when you're a celebrity, people think they know you, they think that you kind of owe them something or like it's weird it's just this fucking weird thing that humans are not built to be able to maneuver through ah what a shame such is life in the archipelago Swellians. my shitty third world batteries died in the ass and uh that's where the conversation ended for the time being we pick up the story with kobe reminiscing about his old mate an iconic South African-born
1: shaper, Gunther Ron. you, Gunther. You're a hard, hard man, mate. You know <laughs> what I mean? I used to be petrified rigging Gunther Ron for a surfboard. Wow. He was so fucking strong at you. And oh, yeah. I love him, and he was one of the first surfers, the first shapers that gave me his board's local motion, Gunther Ron. Amazing boards. He made the best guns to this day. He makes amazing guns. Incredible shaper, you know, Cluffy,
0: too. A, a lot of guys in the eastern suburbs, Road Gunters, growing up. Uh, where's he from? He's South African, or is he South African?
1: I don't know his story, but I just know, um, who hooked me up. I think Paul Moffat, or one of the boys like that, Moff from Maribra, just a legend. Just love him to today, as I do a lot of those boys, uh, or all my mates, you know, um. Yeah, and I went on to to guntheron but Guntheron was like I was scared of him ringing him up for a board when I was young and I could never pay him bro <laughs> so I ring him up months before so then he was even super angry at me because he was a strong guy he's South African like set it out was you know true yeah really wow. short worded wow yeah and he just long like you know he was he was cool but he was awesome I loved him what Long's a lineage of Mate, I appreciate it. Gonna all those boards when I was a kid. I really needed those boards, and he shaped me as a surfer. I, I had to ride his guns. You know, he'd shape me a, shape me like a five, five six, six zero, oh, six six, and a seven zero, oh, and said, "I want you to ride them all, boy." Yeah, love that. Yeah, where yeah. would you ride the uh, guns at? I used to ride them at big nungas when I was a kid, at um, or over here. Actually, at home, I'd ride them. At Lurline, I grew up on Lurline. I grew up trying to arm drag Lurline as a kid. Southerly. Yeah, Southerly. Um, Talk to us about Southerly,
0: man. Like, I, I've stood there and watched fucking So, you know that one slabs.
1: day I didn't go out? I'll yeah. give you a deep story, bro. Yeah. Semi ship myself was one of my only times I ever shipped myself. I was about. It's barely 14, a weight. It's barely a It was like twelve foot, double up. One of my best mates, Jed Campbell, went out there with Wayno, and they teased me to this day about this. this <laughs> you know what I mean? I stood on the rocks and I watched the boys. And from that day, I regretted that day for the rest of my life. Is it still surfed? And Jai. Subby? Jai was out there. I don't know if Sonny was out there. The Southern is like you they surf the big left out the back now, yeah, the big like toe-in yeah, yeah. left thing or and the, and now you got like Jeremy Wilnot, uh, Howie the legend, Matthew Howard, Sato I hope is out there and um Cooey Josh Coo. Josh Coo's out there charging these days. I'm not that up to date on it, but yeah, Josh Coo and those anyway, I'll go back to that. But like yeah, they're they're out there and that's the left out the back that runs off the back side of the of the of Wedding Cake Island. Mm. Yeah, it's that wave. And then it runs in and then it reforms into a big double up. A huge big double up. I've had like ten foot big square barrels out there. Wow. Uh coming from behind it. Yeah, you, know, you come in, in a little double up and it turns into a huge barrel and you can get the right one and you can get a huge barrel. And then it doesn't break that much, you get it like three, four times in a year. <coughs> and then you got there, then you got honeycombs inside uh, the next bay around you got honeycombs a little right slab we always su- used to surface kids and then you go past honeycombs and that was just like a takeoff try to arm drag and get spat out of these little barrels and then you go past honeycomb sometimes a big double up down the end but then you go past honeycombs into lowline bay you have the left out the back and then you have the the right. Uh, you know, when it's real big, it breaks out in Savern Street, and then you can double up on Inman Street. It's a fucking. It's. Mate. I had some waves there. If you can get on. When the you right, say street, well, Inman Street is at your markups. So you can see the streets yeah, line the line street from the lineup. Line. So yeah, the, Fuck, So it's the crazy. very top of the biggest I've ever surfed it, and Jai got rescued by a helicopter and threw my fucking su- seven six away, bro. <laughs> And I had to go back down to the ocean, swim out there and get it, bro, because he got rescued. <laughs> <laughs> you know why you yeah. got rescued? Because he just didn't give a fuck. He just didn't want to get on the rocks. I you remember like, this. Or I remember, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe it was Vasanat getting chopped out of threw my it, board away, bro. And I fucking said, fuck that. That's in the ocean. I swam out. I ran down the rocks. Swam out through low bay out the back of... Uh, honeycomb so far into the ocean and got my board in public goodbyes man this is so classy and you know what he said to me i go to my bro. like you threw my board away He's like huh it was your board do <laughs> <laughs> not argue with that man, it was that's... going on dark yeah it was going on dark so it was like sort of no it wasn't go- it was like four o'clock in the afternoon it got real big and it's swirly and he just done it to me. I reckon he meant it. The helicopter turned up so he got in it. He didn't call no like we he didn't need it. But he'd oh, done yeah. it to me.
0: That's insane. Getting it out of a building swell. Gotta love the uh I mean, I guess that's what your taxes go into. You've 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 come up, chumps, with uh
1: yeah, well, I'm paying 32% right now, bro. <laughs> like, fuck, I should have caught more of the things, bro. <laughs> if I knew I was going to pay 32% tax one day, I would have got a helicopter out of every surf. Just, boys, <laughs> I'm finished. Call, call the boys. <laughs>
0: um, well, I swear
1: to God, I'd, do, I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that. Man, It's wild. Like, you know, I grew up in the eastern suburbs surfing, and yet, like, I've don't. i never You heard... know what's a heavy thing right now? I have to get this off my chest now. The lifeguards, Bondi lifeguards, Muruba lifeguards, and that. What you don't know about the Bondi lifeguards, and that show doesn't tell you is all around those points on those rocks, and that everyone kills themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah? When Jesse Pollock first went to that job, he, re- he, re- he he went and picked up 60 bodies. Oh my God. In one year of smashed skulls and heads and oh all this stuff. Oh my God. They did this, guys. Right, And they used to argue with the police and the police would say, it's maritime, maritime, well, you know, so the lifeguards had to pick them up because the police boats couldn't come in on the jet skis. Yeah? Police wouldn't pick it up because it was on the ocean. These young kids were picking up between zero and a 100 bodies a year of people jumping off the rocks and splattering their whole bodies and some of them being alive and going through the gnarliest torture. Oh. These people just got sacked for COVID not having a vaccination, you know what I mean? These people went through stuff back in the days of just these lifeguards, Bondi lifeguards and Marooba lifeguards and all the eastern suburbs, beaches lifeguards are such, like, soldiers and, like, they've just helped so many people throughout our days... The clubbies are spastics, and you always have been. I hope they're, like, not eight anymore. Like, mate. you used to get eight-year-olds. Like, Ugh. who are you going to wrestle? Who are you going to save, oh. mate? Like, remember the clubbies in their, like, colourful hats? You're just, like, are you serious, bro? Mate,
0: the, the best Instagram account going is uh, Lexington Board Riders. Shut up. <laughs> You've caught this, no? No. Oh, mate, it's one of the best. It's just a, it's like a spoof reel, a real-life spoof reel of just clubby fuck-ups in the eastern suburbs. It, it, it's unbelievable. They I are thought you were going
1: to say the, Lexo. Shout out to Lexo. That's my hometown of where I grew up. Yeah.
0: Think, uh, well, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a bit of a piss-take account, but they've uh, got some of the best fucking clubby mishaps you'll ever see. They are kooks, mate, and they are, like, rinsing money from the government and um, oh meanwhile God. they're sacking, like, pro I don't want to go Waterman. too deep
1: into what they are, bro, but it's deep what they are. It's you know a know it's I mean? a big old like, dicey rinse an, an elite a lot of politicians roars. involved with those things, bro. 100%. Like, you know what I mean? you are seeing all sorts of people within those things. They're bars on the beach and stuff in the most beautiful places in the country. You know what I mean? These these clubby things they're not they're not good. I'm glad you're bringing it up. It's actually
0: an article I've, I've written for Star. did a bit of investigation on it, so I can speak to this with. Cold hard facts behind me and you know, these people have been done up embezzling money from uh, renovation jobs for you know port macquarie surf club <laughs> or this and that like and, and this is the tip of the iceberg or what they're rinsing out of um this kind of hey, so, dodgy so, little industry
1: 100 percent. but let's not get it wrong there's some really great clubbies we grew up with barry rogers you know barry rogers in maroobo was just the biggest legend Nathan Rogers, Bunchy, Hayden, you know what I mean? We had these people in, these, in, our, uh, in our areas that grew up in the surf clubs... And they train good men, but I'm just... Uh, it's
0: the administrators I'm talking about. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. The everyday you know volunteers. That was you can't some fault those people. Mates. Yeah.
0: But they're just often not up to the task. But the people you're talking about, your Jesse Pollocks, your, you know, your Whippets, your, your Luke Daniels, like these people are career watermen. They're high-level surfers and they understand the ocean. Mate, all, like, like
1: all Marooba legends, you know, Matt Phillips, like Moff, uh... Ever. Like, all of them, bro, they're all working there at, for the last couple of years, and they've just been sacked because they won't take a take a COVID vaccine, bro. These guys are just saved you for 20 years, bro, and they've picked up your dead bodies that no one else would pick up at, over at Bondi. And, like, these clubbies can't save anyone with an 8-year-old kid. If you've got an 8-year-old kid watching you on the beach with your big 80-year-old, 80-kilo f- dad and he's and that 8-year-old or 10-year-old or that 12-year-old ain't, ain't getting it. They're getting all the grants. They're, they're going to sack the lifeguards, you know what I mean? No. They're not, the lifeguards in 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 the eastern suburbs are some of the... i put them up to any lifeguards in the world. Mate, we get hammered by a swell. And hammered. D- and, and you're dealing with
0: a volume of people that's unparalleled in, in ocean that's super volatile all the time.
1: Like a You know, and, and also like they're 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 good people, you know. Pete Howcrow and all those boys down the beach back in the day were good strong Aussie men. You know what I mean? Taking care of the environment, taking care of the beach, you threw rubbish on our beach, bro, you're getting a slap in the head. You know what I mean? people chase you down. <laughs> this is one life got Pete Harcrow. Like, you know, his his family are just awesome family, strong family, you know, and And they're the sort of people who grew up lifeguarding our beaches for our whole lives, you know. And now they're losing their jobs over this shit, bro. Like, that's pretty wrong. It's so wrong. And And, and I'm glad you brought it up. And the clubbies are getting all this money. And they can't... They don't save people, bro. It's the lifeguards, bro. It's the lifeguards. I'm a surfer my whole life. It's the lifeguards who save the people.
0: Yeah, the paid blue and green shirt lifeguards, like, the, the council-employed
1: ones. They're blue and white on our way. We're Waverly.
0: Yeah. Like, these people, high-end watermen, and you can't fake that shit, man. It, there's no, nowhere bro. to hide when it's eight foot and some cunt's jammed on the rocks and, like, fucking you're on a jet ski or paddling, like... You got to know what you're doing at that point, otherwise that can dead. Yeah, and that's what happens too often. Well,
1: well, and and in Sydney you've got all the all the rocks and all the cliffs and and on the days that the the fishermen getting rocks washed off back then, like everywhere, bro. Constantly, like constantly fishermen. Like you could go up to the rocks and see a fisherman get knocked off back then, and they're the ones doing those dramatic rescues on the rocks, and they, the lifeguards aren't doing nothing. I mean the 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 Clubbies. clubbies ain't doing nothing bro and then they're, and they're, they're the guys getting the grants and stuff i'm like bro hey, what's, what do you mean
0: exactly yeah it's a, it's a big rot, and it's coming to light bit by bit but it, it, it's hard like you know the same people that are high up in the clubbies are also high up in media and pr and it's a big old elite bourgeois circle jerk and um there's all kinds of rorts In that realm, sadly, and uh, that's what a lot of your fucking taxpayer money goes to is a bunch of fucking champagne-sipping, coke-sniffing suss-cunts. But uh, that's the way it is, my friend. (laughs) Mm.
1: Yeah, I don't know the owners and that, but yeah, I agree. agree.
0: After a quick break for dinner, Ola had made us some mad spaghetti bowl. We uh, resume the convo right around the time that Makua goes to bed. bedtime for the kids here at the Aberton household. And the usual shenanigans are unfolding <laughs> as they unfold in every ha- home the world Yay. over.
1: Oh that's great mate, that's amazing.
0: What do you got there Mikua? What is
1: it? And this is like a
0: big axe guy made of black face and this is a, he, his feet is knife, and I kill him
1: here but He's not dead. See, like, he, so this is—you know what's really happened here, bro? Huh? I let this kid watch these cartoons now. Now he's like—he doesn't. I don't show him dead kids.
0: <laughs> I don't show him dead <laughs> things. Then,
1: Do you understand? Like, then, this is not for me. And then the
0: sword
1: like goes from up he, from here and then go up and it It's a bit scary, mate. No wonder you're having bad dreams, buddy. That's this. See, see, whatever you're, whatever you're picking up on to to, to draw that stuff you got to stop watching that sort of stuff. I'm not watching it. I know the you Thomas are. Looks. You sneak off or you... I think the kids at school watch it. Like, I don't know where they're doing it. Okay, buddy. Hey, listen to this. So he's not out and he's, not, he's still alive. What? This sounds awesome. He's and then coach. what does that say? Happy Dad's Day. Thanks, buddy. Love you. <laughs> See you, mate good boy good night I come and give you a kiss and tuck you in uh, what is a? come on
0: that's so a. classy yeah man that's the life I'm living that's life that's uh amazing and challenging at the same time
1: yeah it's hard being a dad mate it's really hard being a dad especially when you have one yeah I've never had one in my life Highland brothers, and uh, uh, it's, it's really, really hard to know what a good dad is, and you just do the best you can. And um, I feel like, I
0: can't really speak to this because I'm not a dad, but I feel like the more that you do the work, the breathing and that, it's like some other force is doing it, doing, the, doing the fathering for you in a sense. It's you, but it's like it's like,
1: you know what I mean? Uh, 100%. Like, I think you just become who you really are. You That's know? it. I think you uh, get a clearer vision and you think of what, like, breathing is. It's just, it is, it's a clearer vision, you know, like, if you're just going for a really, really bad time right this second, like, listening to this right now, and you stop and you say, I'm going to breathe into my belly 10 times, And breathe out, breathe in ten times. It will change not only the moment you're in, but your whole day. Mm. And that it'll simply, it'll hurt to begin with, like you, because you'll realise how much pain you're in. You know, mm. like, if,
0: but just know that if you keep doing it, it goes away. Yeah, mate. It like, it, it's not an instant fix, but it's the closest thing to instant.
1: You get high on the first session. You get high. the oh, yeah. first Session. You know something just took place if you're not an idiot you know if you trying to do it the way it's supposed to be if you if you like the way it's supposed to be you'll you'll notice a dramatic change the second you're finished you know what I mean you got 15 minutes of your life yeah and the first sets 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of a life that you 100% notice there's a dramatic change within you.
0: Small price to pay for another day on planet Earth, right? And a small price to pay to not put your family and friends through the grief of losing you prematurely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if I don't do it, I can uh, become really erratic and really uh, aggressive and, um, and like, not to hurt anyone or anything like that, but just within myself, you know? mm I'm on my own crazy mission and then you I do it and I just come back and then set again and then get to that point and then do it again you know what I mean I'm still at that stage I'm
0: exactly the same person and yeah. I, I just got to a point where I didn't like that person you know I didn't mm. like that erratic volatile violent person and um, but more than that like God wasn't going to let me continue existing like that you know he was going to force me to take my own life he'd rather he'd rather like God or whatever it is would rather me off this planet than to keep being that person. You can't keep living like that. So, mm. Some force takes you out and it's, it's just as likely
1: to be your own hand as someone else's. Yeah, I grew up in, like, a lot of people dying, you know. I've lost all my friends. I don't have, really have any friends in Australia. Like, I have a lot of the younger guys than me who have now grown up, but the guys who are my age, my generation kind of died. A lot of my best friends died. And... uh <clears throat> Just to uh, uh, to go through, you know that that life, you know, without a little bit of help, right? You you you, you run in a real fine line, you know. Like you need help, you really got need it. help. And I reckon, like I'm not a talker. I don't like am am I love talking, but like when it comes down to like talking to a psych and that and like talking to people like that, that are supposed to take away those, those anxieties and those fears. It just didn't work for me. I, I'm sus on whether it really works. I, I'm sus on the person. I'm not sus on the person I'm talking to. I'm talking to the Blake, just trying to add him up, you know, mm. or the girl or whatever. So for me, it's, it, I work with what I see. And my own, my eyes are the only things that don't tell the lies in my eyes, you know what I mean? Like my, what I see is the only thing that's not a lie and then everything else is. So when I see what it does for myself, it's, it's the answer. It's the 100% the
0: answer. I think that the way you were raised and, and what you had to go through to get to this point, like you, I look around at where you're living and the way you're living and it's, it's the, one of the greatest success stories that, Yeah, but likely to come across. And not just because of the material things that you have, but you have a happy family, mate. And like you said, you didn't have a dad. Like, there's no reason you should be able to be a father. You didn't get taught any of that. But you've taught yourself that or something else has taught you that, you know. But, mate, let's – I can't get out of here without fucking talking about some of the all-time highlights of your career and, you know, the 99 gotcha pro in Tahiti. I mean you're a guy from an inner city beach break and you end up you won that event right yeah yeah beat conan hayes in the in the final mate talk to us about that contest i mean this was also the world's first real look at chopes uh that that i can remember anyway where Mm -hmm. it was proper and um yeah you're a guy from this little beach break in the city and you you beat a bunch of hawaiians and
1: tahitians at so I was always butt-dragging in Indo, and I was always butt-dragging at big slabs around our our house. I had voodoo there. I was thinking that. Voodoo must have put you in real voodoo good stead for jobs. Voodoo, big double-ups and that. I knew I could go most ways. And, uh, you know, I had the Bommy when I was a kid that I used to surf on. It was, like, bigger than like Ujibami when it was like six foot and it would turn into a big slab the left. Like a doggy door right before the island and there was like a gap of about, you know, from here to the bottle, you know. It was like a like a four foot gap and I'd always doggy door and I got really good at barrel riding. And then when I got there that first year, Andy would won it the year before and I was sponsored by MCD and I seen, me and Andy just been in Brazil, they took us to Brazil or they took us to South Africa, I can't remember where they took us, but they took the embassy, sent us somewhere. And uh, he told me like Tahiti, this wave. And this is the stage when I was selling weed and that, you know, I was still doing that stuff to get on the tour because I didn't have any money. And then <coughs> Derek Hine, in, when I was about 14, Derek Hine invited me down to, to, um, the bells and he goes oh, after my first trip or 16 maybe i wanted me to be the, like the next block little of australia and he said "Oh, i want you to do that and i kind of went down there and oh, oh, i want yeah. to be a pro surfer but then i was kind of going on that route i didn't know where i was going you know whether i was sort of taking me but then annie told me about tahiti and i'm like oh yeah that sounds amazing you know And he, what he said to me like on the ocean and just the one road around a town it was just like my indo thing you know when i was a kid so i went there and uh the first day it was like four foot. And I was, I remember I was getting eights and nines and that, and I was in winning easy. And then I remember, um, yeah, we surfed. And then around before the quarters, I had like miles per or like, like a good crew of Hawaiian surfers. And I remember I got a 10 and a nine, it was six to eight feet, like the day before quarters. It was like a good one and I dragged one the whole way and and really went long and spat me out and got a 10. And I remember thinking, whoa, I can can win this easily. And, you know, we had a great day and then we woke up the next morning, like on the finals day, and it was fucking huge. It was just like these huge big (laughs) brows just like spitting and the whole contest was just like, no, like we can't have the contest. I remember me, Tony and Mick Lowe, a couple of Aussies were there just going, Yeah, we're having this contest, mate. This is on. I was like really pushing it. Like, we got to have this contest. I didn't have nothing, mate. I was about to win 30 grand. I knew I was going to win. And uh, yeah. so I was really pushing the contest to win. And it was about 10 12 feet. And we went out there. And as the day started, there's a photo. I think it was Mick Lowe got caught inside, like a, must have been a 15 footer, like a big, huge one. But he was under it. And then he lost, and once he lost, I thought, I'm on now. I got this, this is the only guy who could have got close. We went through throughout the day and I just kept getting good scores and I just kept going them, And I was getting more and more comfortable with it. And I wasn't scared of him. My first heat, no one went a wave. It was too big and no one would catch a wave. And I got an eight and a nine in the first round in the quarters. I just went two big ones. And I can't remember who was in the quarter, but someone got through. Oh, it was Johnny Boy. That's when the whole Johnny Boy drama come. Yeah. He didn't catch a wave, bruh. Wow. He didn't catch a wave, and this is what the drama got into over it. Right. Well, he didn't. We didn't. He didn't catch a wave, and at one stage he held onto me leggy, and I fucking put his leg over my over my leggy, you know, and it's kind of held me there, like because I was getting waves, and I'm just like sort of got held there, held there, held there. And he was holding onto me. And then I fl- like flinched him. I'd done something, moved really fast, and sort of pulled off, and then got my highest score. Wow! And that's why he hated me from that. Wow! So then, anyway, I didn't even think about that bloke. I still don't think about that bloke. But anyway, I I I went on and surfed and won the contest. And uh, you know, in the final, there was a big controversy, you know. And I like the controversy. Like I'm I'm not gonna it's day how it happened. But anyway, Conan Hayes it was me, it was me, Tony Seddon, who's just a legend idol who, who I've grown up with my whole life from Maribra. He's from Coogee, but he's Maroubra. But to, me, Tony Seddon, um, me, Tony Seddon, Conan Hayes and someone else. Who was the other one? But anyway, yeah, it ended up turning into, like... And we went through a whole field of Hawaiians. So and Seto's gone that deep in the con? Yeah, Seto's in a, in the- and a, on a huge day, and Seto's gone. An, it oh says God. a lot, bro. Mick Lowe, Kobe Aberden, Tony Seddon. You know, says a lot it, about our areas. It does, man, because, I mean,
0: the waves on the East Coast are so technical. Bro, we'll
1: smoke... We'll, at that stage, it was all Hawaiians left who knew how to barrel ride back then, because no one knew how to barrel ride Aussies back then. We yeah. weren't going to lefts. But I was... And I was going all over Indo, dragging Lakeys from the start to the end when I was 14, and that you know, like I was going there back then. And then we had these slabs. You had Loi's left, what he was charging when he was 14, just the best footage that ever come out. Yep. or what you yeah, know, the, yeah, I know? I won't say where it is, but I think it's yeah. It. yeah. You know those big Loi's left in the Gorilla Grip movie, and then you had Seto, who was just charging with Jamie Reed, Howie. Marco Signetti and just all the legends of Maroubra. And you had a really core cool group of Aussies who went all the way to the final on the biggest waves we've ever seen by so far in a contest.
0: Mate, you've put that so well. That is such a historic moment and really undervalued for how significant it was. Like, I mean, at that point, I what was
1: it like looking Bro, at Chokes at that size? I heard not talking about it on the WSL the other day and they didn't even say me name. Wow. And I was just I was so heartbroken. Well, I didn't say my mate, Heidi, told me about it and teased me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but my mate, hygie teased me about it and wrote me, like, they didn't even say your name. I'm going to go and like, he's a big boy, and he's like, I'm going to go and find that bloke who said that. I'm like, no, nah, come mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. We're Jabbering not, Joe Turpel you going to be yeah, freaking yeah, at that. We're not eighteen, you know what I mean? Like, no, you don't have to do that, <laughs> but, um But it did have a bit of a sting, but anyway... Um, yeah, so in the final, we're going wave, I'm, 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 I start the final off, go a big one, and I think I get like a seven, five, and no, I start the final off and I get a nine, yeah, but it wasn't a big, long chopper barrel or anything like that, I just dragged, and they couldn't believe I was dragging, got in it, you know, dragged, spat me out, paddled back out and got a ten, second wave, I was in front. And then conan hayes gets a good one a really good one and by this stage it's just mean conan hayes battling now you know he gets a really good one and then right at the end of the heat he gets a crazy one but his first good one was an eight his second good one can't go higher than than 10. Mm. but his second 10 i mean he's he's 10 in that final if you're judging that 10 to the others in the final that 10 was a fifteen. Yeah, they got the scale wrong. They got they, the scale wrong way early, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So they got the scale wrong and I won. And uh and that's not saying that WSL took that away from me then. It just uh they just didn't say my name. Yeah. You know? Man, look something better than that, you know, like
0: it's, it's it's pretty wild, like you accomplish so much in heavy water over the coming years, but when you really look at your career as a whole, like that must stand out as Kind of the pinnacle of it. I mean, no one had surfed Chopes that solid yet, really. Had they? At that well, point? So
1: no one had. Barely, no one had. But what's the pinnacle to me was, is I was on the streets at that t- that time. I was selling so weed, bro. I was just had nowhere to go. Wow. I had nothing. Wow. I went there and I won that money, and I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm going on tour for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. So oh, it's it kind old. of conny. Not only did it. Um, was it the, the change the face of serving? Because I can tell you now, like when I won that contest, the whole world was talking about that. I had covers all over the world for years after it because of that contest. But, um, and I rightfully won. I won on every day, you know? It wasn't just one day. It was, that's what a contest is. It's a marathon. Mm. So so it just changed everything, you know? And then it changed my life. And it, it made me who I am. I love it, man. Those... Yeah. I had nothing, bro. I had nothing at that stage. It's an apocryphal tale. It's like, like a, the rocky, and rocky. It all film, leads you know? to a point, bro. And like, I'm on, the, I'm on the trail. I'm on the trail. I don't know where she's going, but <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to follow. Wait, you're, you're in flow. You're on the path for
0: sure. And talk to us about, you know, being on MCD with AI back in the day. Like, I actually didn't realise, I didn't put that two and two together there, that that's where the relationship kicked off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Andy would. We, we were mcd together and it was kind of just us two i was aussie and he was the american and we were the biggest in the in the company especially after i was 18 but we we're doing it before then but when i was 18 then it really they put us together on trips brock little was the team manager yep. yeah yeah wow. we used to do trips all over tahiti together and all these back trips and and we become really good friends and eventually where I was staying, him and Bruce Irons' house, Bruce become one of my best mates, Annie was one of my best mates, I'd stay at their house and uh, yeah, then we're back in Kauai and just it was just the best times ever.
0: That must have been a golden age of your life it must have been incredible. I had a
1: lot of good years in life bro, yeah. I had a really good, I'd say from like zero till about 44 they've been pretty good <laughs> <laughs> like really crazy ones but over a decades, they're uh, 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 over like you know like uh over like 10 years what's 10 years i can't even think but uh over like 10 year periods let's just say or five year periods they've all had their their my life's really is a movie at constant stages. You know, Mm. like it's like, even for last years, you know, I'm living, I met this woman and now we're going through, she's from uh, a beautiful woman who I love with all my heart has changed my life. Now we're in Bali and I'm going through the Ukraine war with her and if she's from Ukraine and her family was staying here, my life has always been up and down, you know, it's just, I think I was born and bred for this life. Do you know what I mean? Like now I'm dealing with now adult things, bro, and it's just a whole new game, <laughs> you know. That's just life, you know. And we gotta just, uh, sometimes you just gotta, you know, just, just get on with it, and see where it takes you.
0: Surreal. Yeah. Your partner, she, she's from a country that's currently at war. Like I'm sure she has family members who are holding machine guns right yeah, now. Yeah, she
1: lost her grandpa and grandpa Ma, in the. In the the first couple of months. So it was very serious from the first couple of months, you know, like we all hear these, you know, this stuff, these conspiracy theories, but there is Russian soldiers walking down the streets, killing innocent uh, old women and men and kids and stuff. And I don't know how it works, but people are dying. So it's like, it happened to us really early on. I have a crazy story if you're ready for a crazy story. Always. So when it first happened right, grandma went missing. I mean, the, they, we flew Ola's mum and dad over here and family and, you know, stay in this, our beautiful house and just hang out and just try and, you know, like, just see where it goes. And they come and stay. But anyway, they left their families there. They left their mums and dads. They left their loved ones there, yeah? They left their heart and souls in Ukraine. And one week into it, these guys are missing. They can't get in touch with their grandmas and grandpas. They're here and everyone's crying and it's so gnarly. It's really, really crazy time. And I'm just watching it all go down. And uh, anyway, it goes on for about eight weeks, 10 weeks. Weeks go on, they can't find them. And I know this guy, this American farmer bloke. I've just met from, I don't know how I met this guy <laughs> across the, who lives across the road. His name is Jared. And he goes to me, My wife's a witch. I go, Oh, yeah? And anyway, you know, this is a while ago. She came down and started searching for me dog. And I'm just like, This is the triviest shit. I'm like, I don't want, because I lost my dog. I don't want you to do it. But he said, told me she, she's a witch. And like, she started doing some weird things. And anyway, um, one day we come back here to the house and all this is happening it's about 10 weeks in they're all crying and she just turns up know yeah, this chinese chick she just turns up to the house and i'm just like hey it's not really the right time just i don't want you to like you know because some of these people these i live in bali Barrow and they all think they're healers and stuff yeah mm. and they all think they can have a say I had people telling Ola that the war's made up. You're like, bro, she just lost her grandma last night. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, shut your mouth, you fucking dumb... Who says that? You don't even know what you're talking about. There's no reason to say that, bro. You don't even know where Ukraine is on the map, bro. Like, what, I was going through this stuff? But then she walks in the house, the Chinese chick, Jared's girl, and she goes, I'd like to farm your family for you. I'm just like sitting on the couch and I look over and I'm just been going through eight weeks of this and I'm just like, this chick, who is this woman? I will just, how dare she come into my house and in such a dramatic moment in life say, I can do this. Wow, yeah. How is this in your rightful, anyone's normal brain, unless you're a witch, how is this going to be good? Like, how does this work? I'm thinking that. So anyway, she comes back. They come and they have this discussion and they say, okay, we're going to do this seance. I'm like, all right, well, I don't really like, I don't want it to be, I'm not into that. She's like, the chick's like, how many, I'm not going to say a name, how many people are going to be involved? They say the amount of people and the people lost. She comes back the next day and she's got like a, like a you know, put your hands together, make a circle, you know, a statue of all the people made up with their names on the back. She's got candles in the middle. And she has this, like I don't know. I asked them to leave my house, and they have it over there. At the end of it, she does. I don't know what she does. I didn't really ask a lot about too too much, but she's like chanting and humming and doing prayers and stuff to the to the statue and the and the and the and the, and the candle. So anyway, it all goes on. We come back and sit here and on the way out of the house she goes you're gonna hear from your parents your grandpa grandma and uh, grandma really soon i haven't heard them from 10 weeks she gets back to the house the phone rings and it's the grandma and grandpa no okay way. so during the talk the girl tells Ola and the family that she's banged ahead and she has to leave on the 22nd okay it was like the fifth She said, they're going to call ASAP, but they have to leave on the 22nd. It's like the 15th, they have to leave on the 22nd. Someone's getting sick, the the grandma's getting sick and has to get to hospital. The grandma says they call on the 22nd on the date that she says, yeah, and say, we have to go to hospital. She fell down the stairs and banged her head. This this woman picked everything that happened to a T. And this is where we are. Mm, that's insane. Like to a T. Yeah. To They're going to call you ASAP. So they're leaving on the 22nd. So they're going to call you now and they have to leave. They had to get to hospital because she banged the head. They called her as soon as she got back. It was like a, it, something really happened. It was crazy. Only, it was interesting.
0: The only way I can make sense of that, like I always try and look for some kind of logical or rational explanation and it's really hard to come up one. but there's this story that paul stamets has paul stamets is the world's leading mycologist he's like the mushroom guy he's been on joe rogan twice Mm. he's the fucking man and uh he famously took a a macro dose of uh mushrooms and what's a macro dose? it's just a fucking thumper like a lot of it (laughs) (laughs) well it's like uh, a hero's dose i guess is five grams of mushrooms um so bro, when
1: I used to come to Bali when I was a kid, right with my brothers, we used to go to those milk the, the shroom shakes. Mushroom alley and yeah, mushroom alley bro. and we used to have four shakes mate. This one time me Richie Richie Vass must have been 15 years old and I took him to Indo with him Rooster, Evan falks Him James Adams, Richie Vass, Evan falks Oh if I if I forget someone and this is on, they'll be off at someone else, Mitch Adams and all these young like kids from Rubra, so we're going to Sumbara, and back in the day, you used to be able to get a, a ferry from Bali to Sumbawa. and it'll be like twenty four really? hours, yeah, there was a ferry that goes straight there, bang, bang bang, yeah, wow, so I'm like, i got an idea, boys. Let's have two mushroom shakes each. And get on the <laughs> and ferry. And get on this ferry. I remember Whoa. we were in the ferry. We were trying to, like, leave the ferry. I remember Richie Vash <laughs> just looking at just. I remember him, like, just looking at me with his hands open, like, wide-eyed, going, the boat's left us. <laughs> the boat is in front of us. <laughs> Wow. I'm just going, what do I do with these passports, bro? We're just like, kids just went all in on these shrooms. No, like we've, no one knew what, you know, how this, the right levels, mate. I was gone for dead set two days, mate. I could, I was like, just as scattered as you could ever be. But, oh, I remember it, it was just the funniest. And we, we went out... Of, we went out in the ferry, you know, and we are all just fried on those ferries where you got to kind of be respectful, you know. <laughs> They've got gnarly rooms. I remember I, I was in the in the prayer room, bruh, with me shoes on, with them all around me, like pulling me out of the oh. thing, bruh. And I was lost. I was just no lost. Idea. I didn't even know where I was. There was a, a little place to light yeah. down. Yeah, bruh, but there's no there's going on, I was lucky no, no <laughs> to see, That's yeah, bruh, but like, but yeah
0: mate those Indo-ferries are the fucking grimmest things ever it's, 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 you're, you're just sleeping like uh, you know you're the fucking third spoon in a family of eight Muslims like on the on the ground sleeping and uh, like it's, it's 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 pretty hard living being tri- like young and tripping would have been yeah it's
1: something that I'm, I'm really blessed about with my my woman and my family you know they still go on those trips and we still like hunt the ferries out into the islands of Indonesia and get all the way out to Sumba and, uh, and just like take a car. You know, you can do road trips in Sydney and stuff uh, or up and down these beautiful coastlines I've done them my whole life. And they're some of the best times of your life. But you come to Indo, get a car and boat trip, uh, ferry ride all the way across these islands. It's some of the best, most scenic, beautiful, Drives and islands and people and music and sounds and colors. It's just like not enough people do it. Hire a car and just go driving an Indo and catch the ferries all over the joint. It's amazing. It's so amazing. You can go from east to west of this yeah, entire brana, joint on all ferries. The, it's, there's eighteen thousand islands in here. Nine thousand are named. You know what I mean. And all the ferries run throughout a lot of different systems. You know, the ferries are the systems of Indonesia. The, they're the public transport. Uh, tra- public transport, in a way, to get the- link the islands together. So they all link. And they're all by ocean. So you're out there on the ocean just going from this island to that. I've done so many of them, and it's crazy.
0: What have you learned since you've been living here? I mean, it's- you've been coming here a long time, but, you know, Bali's actually tripped out cosmic joint, and, um, you know, you're living across the road from Mega Samadi pretty much and, you know, down the road from Mare Kasim, and, uh, you know, you- you're heavily immersed now in in the Balinese culture what's that like
1: I think it's one of the most beautiful cultures in the world yeah I think it's like peaceful and it's you know they they I think like I think like religion is all based on like time to yourself and like putting a bit of time you know my brother's Muslim Uh, my brother is Muslim and he prays five times a day you know and whenever he's praying and he's in that good state of mind where he is praying, he's, he's, he's giving himself five minutes a day. You know, like five times, 25 minutes a day. And I think, like, they give themselves here, they have a lot of holidays, they have a lot of ceremonies, they do a lot of praying, it's a lot of time to yourself. You know what I mean? It's a lot of time, even though you're on your knees on the ground or you're doing, you know, whatever you're doing to pray, it's this time of thinking about yourself and about your life and about what you want. So it's like, you know, it's like there's nothing healthier than walking into and looking yourself in the mirror and telling yourself you're a good-looking guy and life's good and, and I'm happy, you know. Mm. And throughout these these religions of these people praying and asking for things, it's, you know, it's... it's where energy. It's sending it out there, mate, you know, and... These constant times of, of even if you go three times a week, or if you go to a ceremony and it's like about blessing of life and thank you the gods and thank you this and thank you and thank you and thank you, it's the positiveness that you're picking up on, and it's, that's what makes you a better person. And uh, I think all Christians and you know, uh, a big a big part of the white Christian community has lost their ways. I think it's more based on greed and money than it is on helping people. And we just see that by the amount of real estate that the Christian community owns, you know? And I think these people keep it really, really honest because Bali's only a small island, you know, and it's like, And they're always together they're all talking really you know positive stuff together and they're all smiling with each other and they're all related and you know you've got the system of you know the the way they look after the family you know the grandma looks after the kids and so the mum can go out and then once she gets older the mum looks after the grandma you know it's just got this 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 round robin of mm. taking care of your family and, and and giving your family life.
0: Service over self.
1: Yeah, like the, the when the mums and dads, the grandmas will take care of and then when the mums and dads get older, the mums and dads take care of the grandmas who are older instead of putting them in homes, you know? And we've just got this circular thing of life here that just breeds family and it's just, if you look at anything, <clears throat> Uh, family is the true answer to happiness.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. I love it. Yeah. And, and for you to say that, of all people who, who had such a unconventional family, you know, and yeah. you've, you've come to that realization, w- what was it like watching your big brother Jai go through so much struggle, you know, like a guy who's, who's made you in, in
1: so many ways? Yeah, like, there's like, you ever watched um, that movie? Uh what's that movie uh, Rock and Roller with the got the character Johnny in it?
0: Yeah, I remember That's it.
1: Jai, yeah. They these some people can't be killed, you know, and they just live their lives on this this destruction forever, you know? And uh he sadly done that to himself and um he chose that and he lives with that and uh he as I get older, I think he just took on a lot of what we went through. You know, I think it ate him up. I don't think he was stronger or anything like that. And I think it ate him up and it it got the better of him. You know, and and yeah, and he, I can't comment on what he is doing to himself now or where is he at. Uh, everything I've ever heard of the last two years, it's really positive. He's got himself a girl and happy, and you know, for the lives we went through, bro, it's really hard to keep it. In, to, to get through it in one piece, the amount of pain and suffering and, and, and I'm not going to act like it's like I enjoyed it, but like we all did, you know what I mean? But then continually adding to that suffering through drug use and, the, and abuse and and these societies and, you know, not knowing what's good for you and what's bad for you and, you know, you, get, you suffer from mental reactions to to meth and you smoke meth, like it's just, it's just not gonna happen. It's, well, it's straight up like that. And it needs, that should be said, like if you've got mental addiction, uh, mental problems and you start smoking meth, ice, whatever it's fucking called, you're gonna get sick. Mm. You're gonna get sick on the first episode, you know? You're gonna get sick, you know? These people will, if you've got a, a mental illness and you start smoking ice, you're gonna die. or be in jail yeah I you know and that's what he's going through
0: yeah and it's like you said it's a attempt to self-medicate medicate medicate the pain away because you know we're not given the coping mechanisms in our culture to survive that level of trauma and to be honest like you know just surviving that level of trauma is is fucking hard even if you got the tools if you Mm. don't have them you're fucked and you know I've got to I've got a very similar story that like very similar person in my life actually uh, you know a guy from Bondi who his mum didn't want to raise him so me and my mother took him in and mm-hmm. uh, he was my we you call it adopted brother I guess you know from the time he was like seven till you know he lived with us and um, you know and I'm watching him go through the exact same thing that you're describing right now right. he's been in and out of prison a couple of times and um, you know we're the only people in his life that ever showed him love and you know we'll always have time for him but you know recently just at home you know little conversations about football like Latrell Mitchell's was an argument about Latrell Mitchell and you know, it blew up into a you know threatening to be violent and shit like that and who your uh, mate yeah and you know he's bit, I guess my point is like You, 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 yeah it's just I, I forgive him I always forgive him because I know I saw what he went through growing up
1: and I've, mm.
0: I've never known anyone who's had a life as hard as that and I, I wouldn't be okay if I went through that either yeah
1: but in saying that you've also got to understand that like these people take you to the depth of life do you know what I mean these people who take your soul they take your soul they will they'll they will take, take you take down your, there. They will take your soul yeah like my brother loved me to to the depths of life and raise me and would do anything for me and just would just anything he would do for me you know and he loved me but through that love of him and me and my such deep connection with my big brother jai they can take in us some deep 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 dark areas you know what i mean that's the truth and and it doesn't it doesn't have to be big dramas it can just be constant 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 Mm. And this is the thing with all these new drugs, this new meth and shit. It's just a constant battle of them being alive and driving you fucking mad. Mm. You know what I mean? And your whole fucking family mad and like and I'm not saying this is I don't know what is doing at the moment. And this is not about Joy. I'm just mm. talking about drugs now. Yeah. Mm. My big my big brother Joy is the best person that's ever lived, you know, and I'll never speak a bad word about him. He's he's got a beautiful son now that he takes care of and uh he's doing he's got you know he he surfs whenever he can get the chance but he is going through (coughs) um the last stages of addiction you know he's like when i say that i mean quitting it and trying to get over it you know
0: mm, mm. i mean the best the greatest of all time have, have, have trod that path like tom carroll we've had him on the show many times you know he was basically where Jai is or was you know, yeah, heart out, coke head, and then a meth head, mm. and um, he he managed to find his way out of that darkness, and he did it through meditating. Mm. And and I guess Jai's got religion and prayer, and it's the same thing. Prayer and meditation is the same thing, basically.
1: Yeah, so, like I said, I think it's about you know that time with yourself. I think it's about that time to just sit and kind of and have. It's, it's, work. <laughs> it's not breath. It's not breath work. It's not, it's nearly thinking and breathing. It's yeah. nearly what it is. Yeah, it's, it really is. Do you I, know what I mean?
0: Did you say it's not breath work or?
1: No, it, I said it's. it's it is breath work. It's breath work. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I said right. It's like going down, you know, thinking about great things, affirmations, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're breathing while you're doing it because you have to breathe. Amazing. And you got your eyes closed. And all these religions, they're all good. I agree. you have done with spending time with yourself and breathing and, like, and just focusing. The
0: older I get. I just... And it
1: seems like the Muslims are the most focused because they spend the most time doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I, uh, one time I covered... Um, there was a, a shooting in Parramatta... Farhad Jabal was the kid's name, fifteen-year-old Muslim kid from a mosque in Parramatta, shot a cop in the head. Curtis Chang, he was a it. police accountant. Yeah, wasn't I the cop. it. Yeah. And there was a protest at the mosque, and um, like an anti-Muslim protest. And I went out to cover it for Vice Australia at the time. And I went inside the mosque, and I chatted with the imam. And um, but what was interesting about it was being in there on a Friday avo, and all the boys who now think maybe like. One of the Darkinians or one of those, like, iconic right. boxers was was there. Mm. And Vic, Vic Darkinian. Yeah, maybe it was him.
1: No, it would have been... Uh, or, uh, or Billy... Hassan. Uh,
0: one of them guys, yeah. yeah. But just, they were so... I've never met people more beaming with life and happiness and kindness. No, nah, that would
1: be Billy Dib, bro. That would yeah. be the Dib family. They're just the nicest family. I went and watched... Um, when Billy Dib was fighting... Who was he fighting? I don't know, but him and uh, uh, Shane Mosley took my wow. family to the fights to watch Billy did fight for a world world title in uh, in New York one time. Wow, man, it was a sick night. The life yeah, you've yeah. lived, man. But anyway, that sounds like yeah, and you're right. You know, there's like a, there is there is a beaming something in the eyes too that tell you the story. on That's on a it, man. man. Like you mentioned, when I first got in, my
0: eyes look like a healthy man, and in there, like you know. They were just beaming and buzzing, and they were so happy to see me in there. Right. You know, they, they, you could kind of walk in there with trepidation and fear because it's this foreign culture, and there's this kind of shroud of like gnarliness around uh. Islam. But when you're in their holy place, they love seeing you in there, and they be they'll they'll more than happy accommodate you if you wanted to pray or meditate or, or whatever. I got well, that sense the mosque, anyway.
1: The, the mosque is one of the only places that houses the homeless. The, the 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 church doesn't do that. So if you're going past the mosque at night and you need somewhere to sleep and you're a Muslim, you can sleep in there. All the, my friends sleep in the mosque. Wow. You know, all the people who are practicing Muslims, like, they're allowed to sleep in the mosque every single night. They've got beds in that there and they set the whole place up. Christianity, like Christians, you're not allowed anywhere near it, mate. You'll get, I don't know, but... All the boys state the moss all over the guys. Always, constantly sleeping out there. Wow, my friends constantly sleeping the moss. You know, so it's um, a part of its words are real, and uh, I reckon I get that f- sort of feeling more from Indonesia and seeing how they 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 entwine with each other and the way they are within that community. You know, like they they're more there for each other. Mm. yeah I mean people think
0: Islam is a religion of war and aggression you just haven't spent much time around Muslims like um, you know another story I did was on a a crew called the White Coats out working out of Granville Mosque and they were feeding the homeless in Central around Central Station and you know these guys were a couple of them were fucking jacked like concrete maybe on the roy's, but like lovely dudes (laughs) maybe on the roy's. fucked up big units (laughs) And um, you know these guys, they, were, they would collect all the young Muslim youth and potentially Muslim youth who are in danger of being radicalised. Even you know the uh. parents of these kids would not call the cops; they would call these guys, and they'd pick them up and they'd collect food from Western Sydney and take it in to feed the homeless. And mate, I watched like full-blown meth heads like yanking this big Muslim dude by the beard, yanking his beard like it was a fucking toilet chain. And, um, yeah, the dude's smiling peacefully, like, d- yeah, beautiful. they got away, but I don't
1: know. And, uh, some really beautiful families.
0: Man, it's incredible. really, really,
1: yeah. They're really, good. hold on, I'll come
0: back. We took a quick toilet break there and resumed the chat on the myths and meaning of life.
1: I think the biggest lie we've ever been told is life is easy and life is perfect, yeah. Like, we seem to live every year thinking that every year is going to be perfect but what perfection is is living life you know and making the mistakes and going through the dramas and and doing your best for many years to do your best you know what i mean and chasing your dreams and then failing your dreams and then like you know what i mean like it's just the overall like the the journey of it all is 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 really the great part of life, and
0: understanding that it's it's a journey and it's it's all part of the flow. Like often, this is something I've just wrapped my head around recently. It's like you know you got an expectation about something and it doesn't pan out the way you wanted it to, and you can get upset by that. Uh, but you got to understand, myself included, that that thing didn't pan out the way you wanted it to pan out for a reason, and it was a good reason and it's better that it didn't pan out that way because your expectation your idea was probably a shit idea you know (laughs) like because we don't fucking know what we're doing here like we think we do but that's just the ego like you got no clue
1: you got no clue clue. (laughs) you got no clue still to this day and this is the thing that i'm trying to say like even today i'm like going through my own dramas you know life's not easy even today, I've got a beautiful front and a, and everything looks great. But life's hard. You know, you still got to sleep with yourself at night. You know what I mean? Even if your family's in the room, you sleep by yourself. Mm. And uh, you know, and you're living with your own brain. You know, so I think just the, the easiest answer to all of it is just give yourself a bit of a break and uh, realize what's great for you, what's healthy for you, what works for you chase that more
0: man we left off um, before to talking about religions Islam in particular and you know the irony is not lost on me that you're and I'm sure it's not lost on you you know your brother Jai is a, a pious practicing Muslim yeah and yet at one point you were getting fingered as the fucking the someone who started the Cronulla riots or someone who uh, hated Muslims it's a funny story
1: so how the Kinoa riots happened, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know how it happened. I think a lifeguard got beaten up on the beach or something, I don't know what happened. It was I, years I, of bad blood, just years of beatings and stabbing's going both ways. And just... Yeah, it was just being, uh, it was kind of, the Greeks first come, you yeah? know? Greeks and the Italians into Australia, into Sydney. And they grew into our communities and they, you know, they were painters and and, and fruit people and worked hard and, and done a whole lot of, you know, just were really a part of the community. Like your next door neighbour was, you know, from, from Greece or from Italy or wherever they were from. Remember that, those years of, of in, you know, and, and <clears throat> then you had the Lebanese community come in later on. And they were different, you know, and they were always different and they were really not from, they are from warntong countries, mm. you know, so they had a whole different way of thinking. The civil war in, ba- yeah. in Lebanon was what created that diaspora. So then, all of a sudden, they got thrown into the middle of the Sydney. And, you know, a lot of them got uh, refugee rights and then they come and they told their families how good it was and then all of a sudden they're all in these communities, you know. But they all like like Chinatowns, and they all get put into the same communities, which yeah. is wrong. We should have all Caban been. Matter, like yeah, the they, we all get put into the same communities, you know, like yeah, the all that sort of stuff, you know, like we should be really if we're a multicultural cultural country there should never be a Chinatown mm. you know what I mean it's because you move all the Chinese into one town aboriginals in Redfern yeah Lapa yeah, yeah. Mm. so what happened was they come there and they kind of didn't fit in because they were from the war-torn countries and they were a bit more aggressive and a lot of trauma a lot of PTSD yeah like gnarly no, lies brother we can uh, can't even think about it. you know we got no idea about it. but anyway whatever happened to cause Cronulla the part where I come into the story is the riots have been going on for two days and I get some mates were i kind of like, come over, bro, we're gonna fuck, we're gonna smash all these leopards. And I'm just like, mate, what are you talking about, bro? What are you going what's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, um And they're like, we're gonna get anyone at the beach. I'm like, that's 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 not good. Like, it's just stupid, you know, like, no, I'm not coming there. And Ironically, every one of my friends said the same thing, you know, without me knowing and getting the same calls. So you got all those people down in that, you know, Cronulla, thousands of thousands of Anglo-Saxon Aussies, you know, like full of piss. Whoa. It's just a You're recipe rotten. for fucking... And instead of being bullies to like their mates, they just found someone else to be bully- bullies to, you know, and they just, whatever they done down there and... Yeah, you know, it was dumb, but it happened. But anyway, the week before, I'm in a tattoo shop, and one of the boys is getting a bra boy, and I knew this one Lebanese kid there. He was getting a my brother's keeper on his chest. He's getting like a, around there, like a my brother's keeper, like over his heart. I said, that's it, and I seen him getting it, and I could hear him talking about it, and then I walked over and I stood over, like what he was getting, I go, that looks mad, bro. And he goes, I'm getting it because of you. <laughs> <laughs> and we just like high-fived and like had a beer and that, we had a mad time. Went out that night, had a party, and he had all these, he was a full gangster, this bloke. I don't yeah. want to say his name, but he was a full gangster. We went out and party with him, had the maddest night. He said, here's me number, keep it. I said, sweet. <coughs> two weeks later, this whole thing just goes off, yeah, and he rings me. Oh, no, and then, so, the, the thing's happened, the riots have happened, and then it's two days in, and then someone from the paper calls me and says to me, uh,
0: well, what happened as well, like, fucking every beach north of Cronulla got ransacked like
1: no, 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 that hadn't happened yet. No, this is what I caused. Right. Okay. So what happened was they go, I had a reporter call me because it happened on the beach and I was the most famous beach surfer from the south of Sydney Mm. during that period. So they call me and uh, I said, well, it doesn't happen in Maribra because because the bra boys control, we control the beach and we're a multicultural society and we've got heaps of Lebanese living in, in at the beach. and mm, mm. didn't fucking say that the, the last part of it. They said that the, the, it doesn't happen in Maroubra. as a heading in the, ne- page, the next day's paper. It doesn't happen in Maroubra because the Bra Boys are here. That night, they've just attacked the beach. We heard they were coming. We heard they were coming down, you know, Through botany in that foreshore drive, we got hundreds of us. They smashed all the whole joint and we met them at the beach and had a big brawl. Like 100 on 100. We were waiting for them, they were waiting for us. And we come down the street and everyone went and met them in the middle of the road and we had a big brawl, 100 on 100. You know, like a huge brawl. Uh, And that was Frog and all those boys. It's, you know, it's talked about in the movie. But anyway, and then the next day, the, the guy rings me from the tattoo shop and says, fucking you motherfucker, like, you know, we're going we're gonna to kill you. And they're shooting guns on the phone. It's just turning this whole thing. And then he's ringing me every day. And I'm saying, well, come down, mate, like, get your crew and let's come down. We'll meet at the beach. And, you know, if, if you want to come into our environment, come, mm. we'll do it again. We'll do it again. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. So it started getting really bad, mm. and then my brother through his uh, jail communities, and you know he'd already been in jail for the Heinze thing, mm. and a big part of the Lebanese community who were friends with his through school and all this, he just come to me and said, "Brother, they're gonna, you're gonna die." Mm. And at this stage, they're ringing me on the phone. They're shooting guns into my phone, getting videos of shooting things and saying, you're fucking dead, Kobe, and send them to me from this guy's number I gave me phone to. Wow, yeah, he's to. just, giving it, he's just giving it out to everyone. He's oh, just giving it out to everyone. So God, I didn't God. want to get rid of your phone. So I didn't want to get rid of my phone. So then it just turned into this whole thing. And then it went on for about six weeks. I changed my number after about four weeks. We're in the middle of Bra Boys filming. It's just going off. People are getting hammered on the streets. No one come to Maroobah again after the fire. And uh, it just started happening to chaos on the streets. And then when they started really ringing my phone and saying they're gonna shoot me, my big brother, Jai, just goes, hey, listen, I'm gonna have to sort this out for you. I said, why? And he's like, they're gonna shoot you. I'm hearing rumors, they're gonna gonna get you. Mm -hmm. They're gonna come and get you. They're gonna kick the door down with uh, with the family in it and they're gonna kill you Mm -hmm. from these bad people, yeah? And then so we team up with uh, Mick Howie and all the Comancheros from back in the day that Jai made the connection with, and uh, a couple of Lebanese, Paul Perez, Leon Nasser, uh, Lebanese uh, people from in our community, and we had a, a big handshake. And we went on the news and, and, and talked about it. You know? We said, you know, we all live in, in Australia, it's a multicultural country now, we're all together. This was, like, this is blown out of control, you know, it's gone too far. Let's put a, uh, an end to it. Shook hands on TV, had big cuddles, went out and got on it that night. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and it was all over since that day. Wow. Yeah, and I don't think any sort of drama really happened after that. But that was my point of it, yeah. I went through a real back end of it. I have just, like, it was they were them for me for a long time.
0: Mm, it's interesting too because, you know, there was a lot of bad blood leading up to that point um, and it was like a bloodletting because after that there was no more beef really. Like things mellowed out at that, at that point and, and as bad as it was, that was the one good to come out of it. It was that, yeah, there wasn't, like you said... There
1: w- so in the last couple of weeks... When it started to get really bad, when like Lebos were driving through Canola just jumping on Aussie's heads, I had Kinaloa mates ringing us, ringing us going like, you have to stop it, you have to stop it. Like you guys can stop it, we know you can, can you help us out, we're sorry. And this and that. And that's how it all come about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had a kind of- I didn't really have anything to do with it. Yeah. I only just- Went through the drama on it. We never went to Isle. No one ever went to Isle. We mm. had nothing to do with it. Mm. But we just were on the back end of it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they ripped up through all those beaches. Like, I remember on the night getting texts, you know, that they were at this fucking servo on on this street, like, in you know, at South Coogee, the servo was on fire. and yeah. uh, And you were just kind of wondering. You were going, fuck. Like, you couldn't believe it. You were like, are we about to have a civil war out of nowhere? Like, is, yeah. this, is this actually happening? Like, it was so surreal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just the text your phone was just blowing up with text about like where this motorcade of lunatics had gotten to. Yeah. And then the craziest Well, they
1: weren't the only lunatics involved for for what the Aussie's done to them. It was pretty gnarly. Oh, the you, whole you, thing I, was. I a couldn't be able to watch me mates on TV get gang bashed by a thousand people. Yeah, I, I mean You know what I mean? It was all everyone was involved 100%. in. It. And I think it was just the it's just a mix of alcohol and tension of of you know these people coming to our country and 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 not having a full understanding of our culture you know and mm. then you know they move them right there punch ball, and it's not far from canola no the but chain line right is there right there you know bankstown's right there mm. so it was it was it was bound to happen but you know it's it's just what it is. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know I had a an interesting perspective on all that too. You know, this, this is when I was playing a lot of football, and there was uh, a number of Lebanese teams. Like it was, you know, they all kind of changed. Like it went, it started to be Newtown Jets, and then it became Kingsgrove and Kingshead. And, and I just remember that. I remember this story. Um, the week after the riots it just so happens that the whomeys Wombats, mm. you who were the kind of marubra bravo affiliated team that yeah. they had to play they, they are yeah they had yeah they are they played especially um, back in those days yeah and they played i think it was a team called Kingshead, and um uh, a, a fan ran onto the field and and, and broke harley's draw a relative of yours a guy grew up playing harley
1: i won a uh a curry from around that area, who I grew up in the house I was with, me and his mum went for the same sort of stuff, and we were best of mates since he was about eight years old. And yeah, and just a lebo ran from the field and knocked, and knocked him out from the side where he's on the wing, it's loose. broke his jaw. So this is the
0: kind of shit that was going on. And so, you know, the story I got told was like I wasn't there that night. Um, so, you know, I think they had to. Locked the the in the change rooms while the cops Mm. were called um but you know i'd seen it other times like i watched um i watched the craziest violence happen on park football fields in this kind of ethnic way i remember um you know crazy fights like between newtown and and the whomeys where you know guys were trainers were running on and kicking people in the head and people were pulling out star pickets out of the ground and Mm. waving it at people and you know Phones are getting picked up, and there's all these cars rocking up at the ground, and you're oh. thinking, "Oh, is this gonna be, gonna be a shootout here?" And oh. like, uh, I can remember two. The week after that happened,
1: I got like, shot at about three different times. In the footy, really? Yeah, yeah. I was, at, I was, was... at Waterloo one time, and my mate—I <laughs> won't say the name—but my mate punched him in the head, and he come back with a gun and just shot into the fucking crowd. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he's someone who's in the he's around today, but we become good mates of him. But like. He just turned up, come back with a gun and just started shooting up into the grandstand roofs and shit. Yeah. Like in front of thousands of people. I just yeah. had another shooting, probably the one you were talking about. And like, there's just, there was all sorts of like- It was wild. You it know? was the wild wild. Mate, those footy games, like cans of beer on the, on the hill mate anywhere yeah, in Hydro Sydney. Hill at Pioneer yeah. Park everyone yeah. had a hill I remember
0: being I was the captain of the Marooba League team from Bondi when we were playing these local derbies against the Wami's at Pioneer Park there's hundreds of cunts on yeah, the side it's so good. screaming at you I loved it it was yeah, like playing was in State so of Origin it was as close as I could get beautiful. to that it was beautiful I, I miss those I um football mornings you know People lunging, these were Friday nights. People lunging cones on Hydro Hill. I'm out there waiting to receive a kickoff. Going, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) I should be up on that hill. I grew up watching those
1: games, and they were really like they were as good as any South Sydney game. You know, they were like it was. Local derbies were like amazing times in your life. You know, and that's how you grew up with those aspirations and. Dreams of becoming a football player from watching those games, mate. It's good time. It was
0: classic, yeah. And, you know,
1: I remember... the Strength of men, mate, back then. You yeah, know? it was a
0: lot of pride on the line. It was uh, all about pride and uh, young men without fully formed prefrontal yeah, right, cortex. Just just no risk it. assessment <laughs> in
1: the front part of the brain, just <laughs> banging it up and uh, hoping for the best. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. And you know how you... you know, sorry, but you know how you see all these, like, people getting hit by, um, you know, and they're getting that, what's it called, like... CTE. CTE yeah. and that. Imagine how many football players in Australia like have had that from just running as hard. You know, you had people your whole life when you're a young kid at footy, those one kids who would just run as hard as they could and then cry during games. You remember those guys (laughs) just break down in tears like, let's go, (laughs) you know? 100%, yeah. Imagine (laughs) the injuries those people have done that to themselves. Mate,
0: it's no joke. CTE, when it it broke... uh, it rattled me to the core I was in tears you know and uh, it's what kind of put me on this path ultimately it the, the, was the, the, the lowest point of my life was knowing that that was a thing and, and then doing the maths and being really? like really yeah you know doing the maths being like oh I've got 12 to 15 concussions and the wor- The worst thing about it was you know the worst ones I had was off the ball shit. you know it wasn't uh-huh. even it was just getting my jaw broke by you know an aboriginal kid who'd run 20 metres to punch me in the side of the head like is uh-huh. it you know Mate, can you imagine the force that went uh, through my brain on uh, a 20 metre runner uh, and uh, you know and, and some real dramas with kids from Mooruba my age too around about that time getting dog shot in a, a grand final at Redfern uh, um, you know by a big bopper from Mooruba well, he's not really from Mooruba he's kind of what's his do. name we'll bleep the name because I don't want to who is it uh, Jarrett Crackers
1: really mm. uh.
0: yeah you know a guy again I, I grew up playing football with and there come a certain point where we, our paths diverged and we met again and uh, he know, punched you in the head off a 10 metre run up yeah he I, cu- don't, I don't know, really, I don't that's yeah.
1: not my group nah,
0: nah, it was, nah well, nah. well it, it doesn't matter anyway it, <laughs> it was all just gibberish but um yeah it was it was gnarly uh, it was a, a fucking just man it was loose shit going on it was wild and um yeah, back to the, the Cronulla riots thing. I remember a couple of weeks after playing Kingsgrove, the, the, the Leb team, and they're fucking, made, these cunts were so jacked, like, on the juice for sure, like, uh, roided up. Uh, um, and, you know, guys in skull caps around the ground, you know, cop cars parked around the ground. Uh, and it's Friday night and we are running on the field and, you know, I'm, I'm the captain and I'm like, this could go pear shape, boys, like, and if it does... We, it's like we've got to be all in here. Like, we, uh. we got to fucking, we're going to have to, we've got to go. Like, we, we, otherwise, we might, mo- something bad, really bad might happen, yeah. you know. That, that, yeah. It was, Happened a lot. It, it did, mate. This shit was going down on a Friday night in Villawood in fucking and fucking Kingsgrove and Heffron and wherever else. Yeah. So, uh, that was my perspective on the Cronulla Arts, mate. It was, yeah. I was just trying to fucking.
1: Tackle my it way was through. a mind blowing time. Eh? It was wild. Yeah. yeah. The early noughts were gnarly. So what do we do? Do you reckon we cut it? Is How do we finish? Mate, that'll see. Be I'd up. like to finish on what I'm doing now. What are you doing now? Um, so what I'm doing now is I don't know if it's like you understand what I am, but throughout my own. <coughs> the life that I've lived. It's taken me now to where I'm farming. I'm going to start uh, building my own farms, fully sustainable farm homes on the ocean throughout Indonesia. I don't want to um, say where I'm doing it now because it's my own property. And uh, what I've done at the moment is I've bought 75 Ara, 7,500 7, square um, metres, 75,000 square metres of land. And I'm going to build. Um, farm homes on the ocean with, with massive, like, farms, you know. I believe that they're, they're about to take our food away, you know, with everything that's going on in today's world. I think um, with with Bill Gates owning all that farmland and pushing all this GMO farming, I'm watching some real atrocities to the land happen through GMO farming. And, you know, now with Amsterdam and all that stuff having, happening to so the farmers worldwide, you know, being told to kill their crops and, and 30% of their crops and 40% of their cattle. And I really believe the next step of this thing that's going on within the world today is they're gonna take our natural foods. And I think they're gonna replace it with GMO farming. Mm. GMO, genetically modified uh, organisms, yeah, And so whether it be meat, or fruit and veggies they can copy it and it comes from chemicals um all the seeds and stuff worldwide have been bought up for the naturals uh and you know all that's left at the moment is gmo so what they're essentially doing is poisoning our food now mm-hmm. um, and i can't have these fucking rats do that to my family mm. you know so we have got a group of people together and I'm going to go over to a certain place and I'm going to build a whole eco-friendly town. I'm going to build farms. I'm going to, instead of going there and taking off the locals, I'm going to have the locals who have farmed the, the land for the last hundred years, I'm going to give them the land back and let them farm my land. So instead of buying, I'll have a lease period of... X amount of years, you know, 30 years to where the farmers have got their land. Um, I'm gonna build big farms on the ocean. I'm gonna teach the, the Indonesian farmers who love farming and that's what they've been doing. And I, I'm gonna build houses for them, joglos, on the ocean and I'm gonna provide healthy living for uh, anyone that wants to do it. I'm gonna sell it, or well, I am selling it at, at a very small price, you know, I'm not trying to rip anyone else. I just want to make people healthier and, and see that you can live on the ocean, bro. This whole There's, there's 19,000 islands here, bro, and they are all got land mm. and they all they've got oceans and they all got... And I think if we go back and, and put our money into the basics of life, which is fruit and vegetables and living and, and enjoying more of life, uh, the money can come back, you know? 100%. You know, I think uh, where we're selling our souls, you know, we're selling ourselves to the devil for the work that we're doing. But if we look back into the natural side of life and what helps people and and base our futures on health, of healing and on love, fuck, maybe we can go a bit better, you know, like, so that's what I'm doing now. So I'm just gonna provide, you know, healthy living uh, communities. And I'm gonna start, I'm gonna full on build a, Eco-friendly community where there's fruit and vegetables on the roads, and and people are there, uh, whether they come weekly or whether they live there, the whole place is going to be based on that. Mate, you're a warrior. You're a, a peaceful warrior now. And you want to know something crazy about this? Oh, I didn't for- do it. I didn't do it. Like me myself, I didn't do it but from the life that I've lived, it's taking me to there. Of course. You know what I mean? My own, what's it called? My own... uh, You're flowing uh, there. No, no, it's more like, um, this is why I really believe it's gonna happen, why they're gonna take the food, because my own mechanisms that made me deal with violence as a kid and to keep away from when I was, you know, in these really violent environments as a really little kid and understanding these environments, I knew how to survive these environments, and my own uh, what's the word? My own um, destiny? Not destiny. My own. You know, when you know violence is coming.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, um. Like so anticipation, or it's like a sixth sense. You, you can, you can, you, you can detect.
1: Well, it's my own level of like surviving. You know what I mean? My survival mechanisms are kicking in. Yes, yes. And I'm doing this. You can see it. But I'm not doing this. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Like, I know it's really hard to get my point when I say that to people, but it's like my own survival mechanisms are kicking in and it's leading the way, and this is where I am now in life.
0: Survival mechanism as and connected with, you know, the Christ consciousness, the Buddha nature that you get through doing. Heart out breathing man that's what it is like
1: yeah well, i think it's from heart out beatings as a child that set me there but it's like com- it's like a combination of survival and a combination of me understanding what i want to do
0: it's the best news man to have you on our side you mm. know what is undeniably a fight mm. um is is great you know like yeah it fills me with happiness yeah i'm really
1: looking forward to it i want to take my kid there you know i don't know if it's going to be this year or the next year but i'm going to have a beautiful farm home on the ocean and i'm going to teach him more about life you know i'm going to teach him uh up there you know surfing and being on the beach and and growing food and and i'll I'll build a skate park and stuff and and you know i just want to I don't need a lot of money, bro. I don't want money. That's it, man. I don't me want neither. any money.
0: That's it. Me neither. You, you, I'm
1: good with me and my family.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, and you that's
1: why I want to create a really interesting uh, setting.
0: Health is wealth. And uh, we need to come up with a new way of living because the current way is uh, going to end in misery. And I think your survival mechanisms are right. Like, yeah. uh, we're, being, we're being manipulated in ways that I don't think we've fully come to understand yet. And, and once they get to our food... Uh, which they have already in the form of plastic.
1: It's fucking plastic in everything. Um, so, if um, they control, just say they control your food. Yeah, they control everything you eat. They control your health. Yeah, as soon as they want to make it bad, everyone's sick. And then they, then you go to your vaccines because everyone's sick. But really, is just the food you're eating. It's where all the badness comes from. Mm. So I just want to cut that middleman out. That's poisoning me. <laughs> Sounds fair enough to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy one of that, eh? But <laughs> thanks so
0: much for your time. It's no been worries, amazing. Man. And um, yeah, one of my childhood heroes, mate. It's good to connect with you and uh, have a good old yarn.
1: Thanks, guys. Uh, all the best gang. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, I'm not perfect, mate, but it, and I'm not trying to be, but I am here and do my best. Alright, so thanks, gang. Yeah, bro.
0: Thank you, brother. That concludes part one of our yarns with the great Southside Core Lord, Kobe Aberdon. Join us next time for part two, where we're joined by special guest, reformed degenerate Core Lord, Muso, Mickey Avalon. Stay tuned for some fucking ripping yarns because there's a couple of ball terrors coming up in this one.